How nice to be sent to a famous loony bin. My dear, nowadays nobody speaks about loony bins. The correct expression is rest home. <laughs> Killing me is one thing, but why commit suicide? Please, please control yourself. Alex, this is Stefania. Hi, Alex. Pleased to meet you. Pleasure's mine. I like being described as deep. You're young, Stefania. Beautiful. Your whole life is before you. Hi, this is Russell Todd from Chopping Mall. He knows you're alone in Friday the 13th Part 2, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. Indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, episode number 45, I believe. And I hope that little bit of Stefania Stella uh, got you in a party mood. Um, yes, we're back off to Italy, and so get those black gloves back on. Um, and we're going to cover two of the craziest jali that were ever released, which is Slaughter Hotel and Fatal Frames. But before we get onto that, um, introduce us, introduce you even to our fellow podcasters. Um, we are missing Nathan today. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to this one, but um, he will be back next time. But um, joining us as ever is Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm good, thank you. I, I too like to be described as deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yes well we're getting on to the charms of stella stefania <laughs> the stefania stella whichever way um a little bit later uh, joseph how are you doing i am well and i have to go an old case of mine had just reopened yes well in case you're wondering what that's all about um they'll all become clear well as clear as it possibly can get but um this is all shallow all the time um this episode and we're going to be also covering our top three best giallo death scenes. Um, that's our top three. And also we were talking about um, uh, recently seen uh, coming up short. short. But um, this is one of our special shows. We've got two films. so um, And we've basically watched them so you don't have to. But I know some of you watch along at home. And I hope you still haven't, well, you've still got eyeballs and you haven't clawed them out. Um, but we shall get onto that in a little bit. So, guys, um, what have you been watching recently? How about you, Joseph? Uh, not a whole lot, but um, last night I watched Rose. Uh, excuse me, Rosewood Lane. It's the uh, Victor Salva film, hmm. and it's basically about a woman who is a radio psychologist, and her father dies, and then a year later she moves into his house, and then she starts being tormented by this uh, sociopathic paperboy, who actually should be a paper man because it's a twenty-five-year-old playing like a twelve-year-old kid, but um. I thought it was okay. I mean, it's sort of a creepier version of a Lifetime made-for-TV film. But I, I kind of felt it was missing something. I mean, a lot of it's a little too vague for its own good. And as per usual, the characters do a slew of really dumb things throughout. But, you know, overall, it's um, it's kind of suspenseful. It has a few good jump scares. And I don't know, Victor Salva, I mean, I'm not going to go into his checkered past, but he has a way of turning these mundane uh plot lines into something a little more than they are so uh yeah a marginal recommendation for me okay yeah not see it was that um i'll take it that wasn't a cinema visit no i think it went straight to dvd or if it did go to the cinema it was a very minimal release so mm-hmm. okay fair enough, fair enough. it just came out last year i believe 
Okay. You're not seeing that, Eric? No. 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 Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, no. I mean, I've been a little kind of uh, stymied here lately, so uh, n- nothing of note. Okay. Yeah, no problems. Well, there's been lots going on. So how about you, Eric? What have you been watching? Well, believe it or not, I have seen da, 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 some new releases. This, wow. I think this is the first time ever I've had. And I've actually got, uh, I saw a film that's not out for another week. So uh, the first one I saw was Resident Evil Extinction. Mm. Um, for the life of me, I don't know why I keep going back to the Resident Evil films every time they come out, because I don't really enjoy them, to be honest. Uh, and this was more of the same. But I have to say, it has the most stunning opening credit sequence I've seen for a long time. What they do is they replay the events of the climax of Afterlife, the previous film, but they show it in slow motion and in reverse. So it's kind of like, it's very arty and it's almost like a ballet. And mm-hmm. you can really, really appreciate the 3D effect because the cutting is is slowed down so much because you're watching it in slow motion. And I just thought it was really sort of breathtaking. But then, you know, once the film gets going, it's just more of the same. It's very formulaic. It's lots of shooting. It's lots of Mila Jovovich jumping up in the air, doing somersaults and kicking people. Um, very, very little oh, plot. lovely. <laughs> actually this this is the this is the one of the resident evil films that really really feels like you're watching a 15 year old boy playing a computer game because uh what happens is alice is imprisoned by the umbrella corp and she has to escape but to escape she has to go all through, through these different domed buildings hmm. that are replicas of major cities from around the world so you've got a replica of paris of tokyo of moscow and they're all populated with clones of people and the idea behind this is so the umbrella corporation can uh, study the effects of the t-virus in large urban environments but basically if basically it's just alice going through various levels kicking the shit out of people and then getting onto a a replica of grope cunt lane <laughs> I think that's in the deleted scenes when it comes out on Blu-ray. Okay, yes, in the extra version. The- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean the the fact that they have all these cloned human beings populating these city um, mock-ups means that they can bring back characters from previous entries. So you've got you've got two Michelle Rodriguez characters in the film, um, and I mean it just doesn't make any sense at all. It's absolute pants. Hmm. But uh, I haven't the reason- seen any of those movies. Have you not? I, the, the first one isn't bad. Yeah. But the rest of them are awful. And as I said, I keep going to see them. Now, the 3D was quite good. Mm. But um, apart from that, I can't recommend... Well, apart from that stunning opening credit sequence, which was really, really good. Mm. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, that's probably why you keep going back, isn't it, for the 3D, I would have thought. Well, yeah. I, on, and on Afterlife, the 3D was really impressive. Mm. Um, so that's why I went back to this one. I think they've gone... Well, I mean, I've... I don't think I've seen any of those at the cinema, but I think I've caught them all on DVD or pay-per-view or something. Um, and um, it's a bit like, I think, with the games, because I'm not a huge gamer, but um, I did really like Resident Evil 4, and I liked all the earlier Resident Evil games as well, uh, like on the PlayStation way back when. And Resident mm. Evil 4 was great, but I didn't play 5, and apparently 6 is just like an action game without any scariness or any kind of creepiness or anything that made the first um, games so good so it sounds it's, it's basically just like very formulaic but it's funny if you look at the box office for Resident Evil in the States it didn't actually make that much money but it makes huge amounts of money in some countries because it seems to make four or five times the amount of money um, outside of the States as it does in the States which is why they keep on pumping them out I guess um, <laughs> but, I, but I can't imagine uh, Mila Jovovich is going to be uh, able to do these for that much longer is she? I mean, she must be knocking 40. She must easily be, yeah. Close, yeah. Yeah. Not that she can't do, you know, but it's it's just 
you know, I guess it's just like um, a, a paycheck, isn't it? But uh, mm. Eric, would you go money? see um, a Resident Evil Bear Bear Apocalypse if it was if it were an all Bob Hoskins edition? Uh, yeah, and I'd go see it three times if it was in three D. God, imagine if it was in three D. <laughs> what, what if it was in four four D? Ooh, ooh, that beer gut sticking out the screen. Can you imagine that? Fantastic. Yes, I thought you'd like that. Mm. So, uh, anything else, Eric? Yes, I saw Paranormal Activity 4. Mm. Um, What happened with this one was my flatmate got an email from Universal Pictures saying, come to a screening of Paranormal Activity 3, which will include, at the end, exclusive footage from the upcoming Paranormal Activity 4. Mm. Now, she forwarded it on to me saying, do you have any interest in going to this? And I have this awful habit of scanning through emails rather than reading the details. So I thought it was a screening of Paranormal Activity 4. So I said, oh, yeah. And I went to great pains to rearrange other things so we could go to the screening. Yeah. And then sort of the day we were going, she says to me, you know, you do realise this is a screening of Paranormal Activity 3. And I was like, oh, God, I've seen this twice already then. <laughs> um, but uh, what happened was we went to the cinema anyway and Paramount Lady comes out and says, haha, fooled you, we're actually going to show you an exclusive preview of Paranormal Activity th- of 4. Mm. That you're, you're one of only three cinemas in the world showing this at this very moment in time. So that was great. As she said, it was unfinished, which I think meant the sound mix and maybe the odd visual effect here and there. But I think for the most part, it was the finished film. Mm. Um I thought it was the worst of the series so far, but that's not saying it was bad because I'm a fan of the series, I have to say. This is not going to win over anyone because it it does everything exactly the same. It's very, very like Paranormal Activity 2. It's this family in a house and it's the young daughter who, uh, well, the teenage daughter who sort of cottons on that something weird is happening. And um, what happens is it's kind of a direct sequel to the end of part two where, well, I won't give away what happens at the end of part two in case anyone doesn't know. But what happens in this one is a family moves into a uh, a vacant house. Uh, it's basically just a single mother and this creepy kid. Um, the single mother is injured in an accident, which we don't actually see. And so the creepy kid has to move in with the neighbours because there's no relatives. And then this leads to lots of weird things happening. Uh, the standout scene for me was one, I think you've probably seen, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know what I mean. There's an Xbox Connect which apparently if you have it switched on and you view it, you view it through an infrared lens or night vision, it creates this sort of dappled light effect. Mm. And uh, on a couple of occasions, you can see sort of the outline of this spooky figure walking around in this, this unusual lighting situation. And it's really quite creepy. But for the most part, the film is, you know, scenes of quiet, 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 sudden loud noise. And, you know, for the first half of the film, the sudden loud noise is a false scare. Um, and then for the second half of the film, it's not a false scare. I mean, it's, it is really, really predictable. And it doesn't elaborate on any of the plot threads. It's established in the first three movies at all. It, it really, really is uh, treading water. And if I think they go on to do a part five, which I'm sure they will, I'd like to see them maybe start with a clean slate or something because it's, it's this, this storyline they're, they're going on with. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But I mean, that I think... Reminds that, me. What's, hmm? what's funny is that um, during the whole Saw fiasco and... I guess is around Saw 5 or Saw 6. The first Paranormal Activity came out, and they're like, finally, a breath of fresh air to get rid of these Saw films, and now they're doing the exact same thing the Saw mm-hmm. films doing, just sequel after sequel every year, and the story is just kind of sinking lower into the ground with each... Well, you see, that, uh, that's the problem, I think, because they're rushing to get one out every Halloween. Yeah. You know, the care, the care isn't there, and they're, you know, they, what they could really do with is taking a break of maybe two or three years between films mm-hmm. and maybe doing something mm-hmm. really interesting. Because I love the... Um, the, the creepier aspects of the Paranormal Activity series are really, really good and really well done, I think. But um, 
I can't remember, Justin, I, th- I don't think you were a fan, were you, when we were discussing part three last year? No, I, I liked it, yeah. Oh, I'm, you, not, right. I'm the one who wasn't a fan. Oh, I, sorry. I yeah. three was the worst one so okay. far. Okay, well, you won't like four then. I would, t- I would definitely advise you to avoid four because four has long periods where nothing really happens. Yeah. So. Hmm. Well, that, I don't mind that. I just thought three was just... It, whereas the first film, you know... It's really creepy. And the second film, I mean, it's pretty much a rehash of the first film, but it's pretty creepy, too. I thought 3 explained way too much, especially toward the end when they started going back and kind of telling you how this entity came into the house and what its motives were. I just thought it was really over the top, and that just kind of lost me. Well, I mean, this does more of the same, even to the point where, you know, you're about three quarters of the way through the film and you're like, oh, we're due somebody to be dragged around the house now by an unseen invisible force. And then, hey, presto, it happens. And these people never leave the house, ever. No, and they never, like, the and the teenage daughter keeps showing them video evidence that something weird is going <laughs> on and they don't believe her. And, oh, and it's, it's, an, it's an incredible um, product placement <clears throat> movie for Apple because the, the family shoot all the, all the fan footage is shot on either a MacBook Pro or an iPhone. And like they have, yeah. three, they have three MacBooks, one in the bedroom, one in the kids' bedroom, and one in the kitchen. And then Does Apple the, own Xbox? Or no, Xbox Microsoft is Xbox yeah. is Microsoft, yeah. So they're, they're covering yeah. all bases, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, wow. there's, a, there's actually some Coke product placement there as well, so... Well, it's such mm-hmm. um, so, they're so cheap to make, aren't they? Those movies that they're they're just kind of like manna from heaven um, to the studios. A bit like the Friday Thirteenth movies, mm-hmm. where they yeah. bang those out year after year, um, which obviously we we all love. But um, they were very cheap and they rolled into big profits very easily. So it's 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 a no brainer, isn't it? Especially when you have films like John Carter and Battleship and things like that, where they spend hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars on something and then they flop. If you're spending ten, fifteen, twenty million, or whatever much these films cost, um, uh, they're, they're going to go into profit, aren't they? So they they will keep making them, I'm sure. Um, did you did you ever see um, Paranormal Activity Tokyo Nights? No, it's, is that Paranormal Entity? Is it or is it Paranormal? No, it's it's a it's an, a Japanese. I don't. I think it's an official Paranormal Activity, but it's um, all right. Yeah, I know Japan. the I know the one you mean. Yeah, and I haven't seen them. Have you? I'd, I've seen I've only seen one. I don't know if there's more than one, um, and it was okay. But it's more of the same. But it was linked to the American films because the, uh, without giving any of it away, it's the story kind of involves a woman who who is basically um, she uh, comes back from uh, America after being in a car accident where she ran over the main woman from the first one, and oh. then she's brought back the curse with her to Japan. Which of course the irony of that being is obviously. Um, it's partly inspired by all the grudge films and the yeah, it's the grudge anyway. in reverse kind of yeah yeah exactly so but it's it's all right it's nothing special but it's got a few I creepy s- moments I saw Paranormal Entity the one from Asylum mm. Mm, that's yeah, yeah it, uh, for an Asylum film it wasn't bad but mm. you know it's it's not that great either no. and there's a I think there's a spoof one out I saw advertised in um, in Fangoria but I can't remember what the title was. Yeah. Not another paranormal movie. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, no, it wasn't that. that but yeah. um, it had a it had a, a grainy shot of a uh, video camera of a woman on a bed playing air guitar. It looked like right, and it, it, <laughs> it looked oh so hilarious. Yes, oh. actually, the best. Let thing me about, look that one up. Actually, the great thing about the screening though is we all got free laser pens that project the number four onto a surface. Okay. That was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So everyone at the end of the film, like they. I was thinking, oh, this is a disaster waiting to happen. There's going to be people shining these laser pens at the screen all the way through the film, but they weren't. But at the end, they did. But that, mm-hmm. that was fine with that. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, no, thanks for that, Eric. So, you join, you know, come on to the Hysteria Continues for the latest movie news. Um, Actually, I won't. I won't review them now because I haven't watched them yet. But I got two Arrow releases on DVD that aren't released till the end of October as well. It's, it seems like an exclusive month for me for some nice. reason. I ordered okay. them direct from their website, uh, The Night Child and um, Super Bitch, also known as Blue Movie Blackmail. Both are You're directed. getting famous, Eric. That's one of yeah. the perks for getting famous. <laughs> well, no, I still had to pay for them. It's just that they arrived because I ordered them directly from Arrow's um, website. They arrived a few weeks early. Um, they're both directed by uh, Massimo. Dalamano, who did What Have You Done to Solange? Um, so I'm looking forward to those two. Okay. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people I meet in the streets who say, hey, you're that guy from the Hysteria Continues. <laughs> I know. Yeah, um, and you're like, please, I just want to live a normal life. Yeah, I'm like, stop, po- stop photographing me, paparazzo. Mm. Actually, um, about two weeks ago, a guy saw Whoopi Goldberg here in Dublin, and he asked for an autograph, and she said, listen, do you mind if I don't, because then I'll just be pestered for the whole day. So what he did was he followed her around and wouldn't leave her alone, so she had to call the police. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Was that you? What a, great, what a great advert for this city. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, um, was he, was he you drinking? anything else? Sorry. Sorry? Any, anything else? Uh, I have seen one other thing, but I think you're going to be discussing it. Yes. Well, do yes. you want to talk about it a little bit now? Because if we're going yeah. to be, because mm-hmm. um, uh, well, just say Sinister obviously mm-hmm. came out. In fact, it it came out the uh, the cinema a week or two weeks before it did in states. I think it's just out in the states this Friday, but it was out maybe it was uh, the Friday before, wasn't it? Yeah. So I saw it Thursday night, um, and you saw it last week. Oh, you saw it after mm-hmm. after me, didn't you? Maybe you saw it on... I, I saw it last weekend, we went to see it, yeah. Oh, last weekend, okay. Yeah. So what did you... What what were your thoughts on it? Um, well, I didn't really know a huge amount about it going in, mm-hmm. except that it, it was being publicised from the makers of Insidious and Paranormal Activities. So yeah. I was kind of disappointed because it was getting quite good reviews. Um I thought it was a bit overrated. I think it suffered the same problems for me as Paranormal Activity 4 in that I thought the best parts were earlier on in the film where people are analysing footage and they notice things in the background. I think that's far spookier than when sort of explanations start happening. Mm. Um, I thought the film was quite long as well. It's one hour 50. Um, and it did feel kind of dragged in, in places. But overall, I mean, I did, I did really enjoy it, I have to say. And I didn't realise going into it, it's from the same director as Hellraiser Inferno. Mm. Um, if I'd known that going in, I probably would have had lowered expectations. Um, but no, um, I have to say it's, it's, it's good. I thought Ethan Hawke was excellent in it. A lot of people are complaining about the actress who plays the wife, saying she was a bit naff. Mm. Uh, I can't say I had that problem, but... Um, I thought the, like the Super 8 footage that he finds in the attic... I, found, I thought it was quite creepy and quite eerie. But, you know, once once the film sort of leaves the Super 8 footage behind, maybe, you know, two-thirds of the way through, I thought it it, it became quite predictable and a bit ho-hum. Mm. I, I kind of, I think I liked it a lot more than you did, although you said you enjoyed it. I mean, I, I agree, it's definitely got its problems. And I know Joseph hasn't seen it, and um, probably a lot of people listening may not have had a chance to see it, so we're not going to spoil anything. But... Um, uh, I thought it had moments of real kind of like kind of bone freezing terror in it, which it was. I thought was done really really well. Um, also, I thought the sound the soundtrack was amazing. Christopher Young, who mm, yeah. I believe mm. he started, didn't he, with the Dawn that Drip Blood? I think it was. Yeah, that. yeah, you're right, actually. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, this was kind of like it was done. It, it was kind of uh, it reminded me of some of the music I used to listen to in the '90s. A kind of really kind of left field American kind of independent music, kind of indie music, kind of. Um, fetus and all those kind of weird kind of 
not industrial, but it's kind of pre-industrial, but um, or kind of creepy voices and slowed down voices in the background. And I thought the soundtrack was very, very effective. Um, without again, without any spoilers, but it was. I think you're right. As it went on, it um, it kind of relied a little bit on the cliches. Although to be honest, everyone I was with predicted the ending, and I. I had a completely different ending in mind, which I think we can probably discuss um, maybe next time when everyone's had a chance mm, to see it. Yeah. But, uh, mm. but um, there's a couple of the scenes I thought were really, really, really well done and um, uh, kind of achieved that real kind of, you know, there was one scene in particular, which I'm not going to say what it is, but it kind of had the same effect on the audience as the one in The Exorcist 3, the, um, the corridor scene. Yes, and, I know um, what you mean. I think I know the bit you mean. Yeah, and there were a lot of jump shocks. In fact, actually, the probably the most... The one that made seemed to make everyone jump the most was actually a plank falling over, which mm. is kind of, uh, which goes to show how I think the film had a had a real kind of dread throughout, a real good atmosphere. But there were kind of scenes in it. I agree, it was a bit too long. There were scenes in it with Ethan Hawke, with his wife having an argument that just went on for about five minutes. It just didn't really add anything to mm. the story and could have been cut down to thirty seconds. Things like that. That was a bit, bit strange, but. Um, but yeah, I thought I really it, it opened really impressively. I thought with that Super Eight footage of I don't. This isn't a spoiler. There's it, it, the very first shot is of a family of four being hanged from a tree, mm. and it has that as you say that eerie industrial whatever soundtrack on it. And I thought that was an incredible opening shot. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but I'll be interested to hear what you think, Joseph, when you get a chance to see it. Well, um, expect um, expect a sequel because Thursday night at midnight they had midnight screenings. It made a million just on midnight screenings. Mm. It made almost eight on Friday, and they're projecting a twenty-five to thirty million opening. So yeah, there will be a sequel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's currently number one in the box office, even though the weekend take hasn't been fully calculated yet. So okay, because yeah. it was opening against some quite stiff competition, wasn't it? Hmm. <laughs> what <laughs> you said, stiff? For goodness sake! Well, as we. Oh, yes, that's a very good one. Wouldn't you agree, Matron? <laughs> it's up against that one, um, uh, Argo, which is that Ben Affleck movie, mm. which, lo- which looks kind of interesting. Yes, his movies are more kind of art house now, so they don't really get out of the box office. No, but, uh, you know. but what I'm intrigued by is that apparently it's a true story of, a, of a people who go and pretend they're making an exploitation movie to get some hostages out of Iran or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to mm. see it. It looks pretty good, mm. actually. It says it's um, declassified. Whether or not it's actually a true story, I don't know. But um, mm. often they do say things are based on true stories, don't they? I'm sure Slaughter Hotel was based on a true story. <laughs> Fatal Frames. Fatal Frames. Fatal frames. Well, yeah. yes. Um, right. Well, that was sinister. So, yeah, um, go and watch it. It looks like everyone else is, so uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Although I think they didn't make a sequel to Insidious, did they? And I think this is kind of almost the, the sequel to Insidious because I think they were, although it's got nothing to do with the, the films, don't link um, at all really, but uh, but I think they were they were talking about doing a sequel to Insidious because that was kind of the sleeper hit, wasn't it, of last year? Actually, I think before. they still are. Are they? Let me look that up real quick. I'm pretty sure they are. I wouldn't be surprised. Insidious 2, 2013. Yes, oh, okay. they are. Oh, they are. Because that made, I mean, that was a real sleeper hit, wasn't it? Because it just kept on making money by word of mouth. Um, well, they spent they spent a million dollars on Insidious, and then it, I mean, it racked in like close to a hundred, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so very very profitable, but um, but yeah, in, in a lot of ways, to be honest, I'm much rather see a film like um, Sinister making money at the box office than Saw Five or something or whatever. Mm. You know, a Resident Evil Extinction. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of there. 
you know, it's it's good. To, I, I think we're probably nearing the the end of the cycle of the paranormal activity films and all those kind of films. But I do kind of like that, you know, that kind of going for the creep out rather than necessarily just the gross out. Um, so, but that was sinister. Talking of um, creep outs, uh, another film I saw, which has just come out on pay per view in the UK and actually on Blu-ray as well, is a French film called Livid, and it's um, by the directors. It's I think it's two directors, and they did the uh, the film Inside with Beatrice Dahl, which was the kind of the slasher homage, which was the the one where Beatrice Dahl is um, basically persecutes a pregnant woman. She tries, she basically traps her in the house, and she wants to cut her her baby out of her. And um, it was kind of like a homage to Halloween and Friday Thirteenth. Um, you, you've both seen Inside, haven't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you seen good Livid? movie? Have you, have you seen their, their follow-up, Livid? No. 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 Is it a um, sequel or is it just a follow-up? It's a follow-up. It's not... Ne- I don't think it was nearly as good as Inside, but it's quite interesting. It's almost like an unofficial sequel to Suspiria. It has the same... Hmm. It's almost... It has... It, but, 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 you know, without giving anything away, I mean, the, basically, the, the plot line is um, a young woman um, is, gets a job um, as a care worker and on the first day she's taken around various old people living in their homes with this woman who tells them tells her what to do and she goes to one place and the woman says to her stay in the car um, this one's a difficult one just you know but she her curiosity gets the best of her and she goes into this massive mansion and there's this really really old woman in a coma in a bed and um, the woman who's who's there, she says, well, yeah, she's been in the coma for years and years and years, but it's very rich and um, there's rumours she's got treasure here. And um, she goes back and um, against a bit of judgment, she gets talked into going back at, on Halloween night with two male friends to try and find the treasure in the woman's house. And, and then they break in and then, well, basically without spoiling it, so things go very, very badly wrong for them. Um, it's got it's it's very effective but it's kind of it's a bit too weird for its own good towards the end it doesn't really make a great deal of sense but it turns into a bit of a fairy tale um so it goes almost into fantasy territory towards the end but there's quite a lot of there's there's talks you know it looks like it was a hinted at a kind of um a uh, a kind of a, a sequel in in sort of um in some ways to the the the, the three mothers movies and it talks about this because it's this woman was a dance instructor who was an um who was dance instructor i think in berlin or in or wherever the the Suspiria school was um so it's worth a watch but it's not fantastic but that's that's one um another couple of, i'll just quickly run through one was i haven't seen it for years and years and years is grizzly with christopher george which is um, 18 feet, feet sorry, of uh, Snarling Terror, which is the kind of the Jaws rip-off with the, the grizzly bear. Um, and it's on a really, really awful uh, DVD. Um, it was one of, you know those ones you used to get, and they're like real budget ones, and it looks, it looks like so, they, someone filmed it for a fish tank. Um, and it was, it was like that. But it's, it's, it's very entertaining. It's William Girdler's, um, who is probably his best movie, um but it's got this grizzly bear uh, it's basically a slasher movie with a grizzly bear and um lots of point of view and lots of shots of huge brown paws coming in and ripping off arms and heads and um and at the end christopher george does something unmentionable with a rocket launcher um have you either of you seen it i have yes i have i have it on yeah, dvd but i think i i have yeah. it on a american dvd by shriek show is that the same one you have no, it's probably the better version because i've got yeah. it it was on a it's a uk disc and it's widescreen oh, right. but it's it's really soft the picture's really soft and um 
it, it just looks it looks really bad. But uh, I still enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's just that kind of that kind of the uh, you know the six six seventies with a, there's a scene with a little boy playing with a rabbit, and the grizzly comes in and attacks him. And his mother runs out with a drawing pin, uh, not drawing pin, a drawing. Um, uh, no, is it a drawing pin? No, what are they called? Um, uh, you know, those ha- kind of ha- hairpin, hat pin. not a hairpin. No, I'm thinking what well, um, rolling pin. That's what I'm talking about. So oh, rolling pin, flower. rather than a drawing pin. That would have been rubbish. A drawing weapon, pin and wouldn't a ha- it? Uh, rolling pin are quite different. They are. Yeah, yeah it would have been a rubbish we- weapon. Wouldn't it? a drawing pin. Take that <laughs> out. Um, well, well, if she was if she was battling a fly or a daddy long legs, it might have been effective. Well, exactly. But yeah. she doesn't. She rushes out, and then. Um, the, the scene is kind of like the kid's screaming and he's being bear, literally bear hugged and then she's hitting the grizzly and um, and then you see the kid fall to the floor with his leg ripped off and it's just kind of like you know the six six seventies for you but uh, that's why we love them which is why we'll be getting onto Slaughter Hotel in um, in a few few ticks and lastly and now Eric now you didn't believe me when last time I said I was going to watch this and I let Eric know that we had Ooh. hired Dirty Dancing. Yay. on blu-ray and i put it into i the... saw something about that on uh facebook from yes. one of your friends i believe it was well yes well we put it in and it wouldn't play and then we tried it in a different player and it wouldn't play so i said to eric i we were trying to watch it and we couldn't and eric was very upset and thought i was um doing that on purpose but we sent it back <laughs> to love film and then we got it sent back to us and um, so I eventually watched it about three, four nights ago. And Eric. And? And. <laughs> well, put it, how can I put it politely? Um, it's not going to be a film I'm going to watch again anytime what? soon. I, it, well, I thought it was, it was passable entertainment. It didn't do that much for me. I think, um, I know you love it, so I, I'm not going to diss it too much. But I just kind of like the fact that it was kind of um, this kind of not musical exactly, but it was a you know the feel good movie um, fueled by a botched abortion, which I thought was quite I funny. That bit's always funny. Yeah, yeah that's funny. But, um, <laughs> but do, you, do you not think it was just such wall to wall kitsch that it was just absolutely brilliant? No? Well, it was kind of wall to wall kitsch. I mean, I like the fact that um, a lot of it's set in 1963. And they've got all this kind of all the sixties music, this great sixties music, and then they must have said, "Do you know what we what this needs? This needs more synths." And yeah. so let's get some 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 of the worst recording artists of the day, the middle of the road recording artists of the day, to record some horrible power ballads that we can pump over the top of this. I hope um, you're not talking about the Blow Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Were they in that? I don't know. There's three they songs. Are, they are they? in that. Yeah. Uh, was it Jennifer Rush and I don't know? No, Jennifer. God, oh, I can't remember. Oh, Eric, you said it's your favorite movie. I've had sign up Bill Warrens and Jennifer, Jennifer Warrens and Bill, Bill Gates, Bill, (laughs) Bill Withers. Keep talking. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I thought it was. It was kind of. It it literally was. I mean, I know. To be fair, it's kind of. It it was by the numbers. Um, But I like the fact that a lot of the um, the kind of the sixties, so-called sixties kids had mullets. And um, and the main girl had a hairdo like a shaggy perm that no one in 1963 would have ever had, would they? And then yeah, uh, well, I'm not look. I, I don't watch Dirty Dancing for historical realism. Well, but the and also at the end where they have the big dance off or the big kind of you know they yeah. bring the dirty dancing into into the kind of the mainstream, and the song they they dance to is from it's like a time warp, you know, isn't it? Because they dance to a song from the 1980s. Yeah, Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens. Exactly. It. So all I all I say, Eric, is I got, it was it was it was fun while it lasted, but um, and I'm glad I finally seen it. 
it's another one I can tick off my bucket list, but um, it's not. So you be didn't have the favorite. time of your life. No, no. Did you oh. dance to the beat of your heart? No, no. Oh. But it was. But you know, you said about the the measure of a good film, Eric, is whether or not how many times you check your phone. Mm-hmm. And I was checking my phone quite a lot through Dirty Dancing. And oh. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What can I say? Yeah. Well, I watched Nocturne the other night, and <laughs> I, I had to turn the sound off and check my phone the whole way through it. So there. <laughs> oh, Eric. you know the movie is a little creepy because you know Patrick Swayze's playing like a 30 year old man, and she's supposed to be a teenager, and he's kind of romancing her. And she's called Baby, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. And I, the Family Guy did like a little joke on that I thought was funny, where he confronts her father and he says no one puts baby in a corner and her father's like i do i'm her father she's a she's a kid you're a grown man yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was uh yes it was it's a film eric i'll give you that um so i'm disappointed are you yeah well okay i thought you'd get some i thought i thought you'd kind of get some kind of cheesy kick out of out of it but obviously not I, I kind of did a bit. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, it just wasn't, I, maybe I just wasn't the right mood for it. I don't know. Um, was it Stuart that said, this is a load of horse shit? Yes, I think that might have been his exact words. <laughs> did you have any cocktails before you watched it? No, but we had some great like cocktails last night. Like you were tagged or something on a Facebook post, like watching with a bunch of friends, and then one of them said, this is a, what a load of horse shit. Uh Yes, yes. No, we weren't. We weren't drinking cocktails. We were drinking cocktails last night, actually, and we'd um, we had a great one called James Bond, which um, oh, which is it's um, carver and vodka and a sugar cube um, soaked in Angostura bitters. What are Angostura bitters? It's a kind of little bottle um, from Switzerland, I think it is, and it's it's poisonous, but. Um, <laughs> but if you drink too much of it, it's not alcoholic. But if you you put a few drops into um, into cocktails. And it's kind of quite a bitter taste, mm. um, but the um, the the uh, basically it turns the um, the cocktail kind of brownie red, and the sugar cube fizzes and bubbles at the bottom. All these bubbles come up. So, and it's called a James Bond. Sounds wow! Yeah. You're a winer who lives on the edge. <laughs> He's a winer who lives on the edge, indeed. And we had, a, yeah. but I did prefer a Harvey Wallbanger. That was better. God, mm. I think I can smell. I th- God, sorry, I, I can smell a cat's just in a turd. Ew. <laughs> that's probably too much information. Are they not, are they not house trained? They are, but I could hear the, the litter tray. You might be able to hear that back at home. The viewers, listeners at home, you can, might have heard that kind of... But um, I might... Do yeah. you mind if we, do, if we take a little break? What we'll take a little little break, um, and uh, what we'll do is we'll play this little trailer for the Podcast Awards, and while I'm doing that, I'll go and take the turd out. So there you go. <laughs> Hang on in there. Hi, I'm Patrick from the Scream Queens Horror Podcast. And I'm Justin from Mysteria Continues. We're here to talk to you today about the 8th Annual Podcast Awards. The Podcast Awards recognize excellence in the industry in 22 different categories, ranging from business, health, and technology. To comedy, gaming, and sports. And of course, movies and TV. And gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender topics. It's amazing. It really is. But here's the thing. The same people win every Every year. year. They're syndicated. They've got sponsors. They've been around forever. And have thousands of listeners. Us little guys don't stand a chance. It's just not fair. So this year, we're both fighting fighting back. This year, the hysteria continues. And Spring Queen's Horror Podcast have joined forces. Formed an alliance. United our fronts. 
Matron, please. Oh, hush you. See, I thought if we combined the voting force of our fans, we could get both of our shows nominated. In different categories, of course. We might just be able to topple some of these juggernauts who don't have the decency to step aside after all these years. You know, we get it. You're great. You're awesome. Your old hat. Your history. So, here's what you need to do. Head on over to www.podcastawards.com. Nominate The Hysteria Continues for Best Movie and TV Podcast. And nominate Screen Queens for Best GLBT. And you can decide which of us to nominate for the coveted People's Choice Award. You have until October the 15th to get your ballots in. But remember, for nominations, you're only allowed one ballot. Sneak in a second one, and they're both disqualified. So don't do that. No, 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 no. Not cool. Totally not cool. But vote now at www.podcastawards.com. And nominate The Hysteria Continues for Best Movie and TV. And Screen Queens for Best GLBT. And for the People's Choice Award... Be sure to nominate The Hysteria Continues. Really, Justin? Is that how it's going to be? You bet it is. Oh, it's on. And now, let's make podcasting Podcasting history. history. Well, there you go. I do apologise for Argento's um, introduction there. Um, (laughs) For such a small cat, he does some very... It's kind of uh, fitting for what we're going to be speaking about soon. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's his commentary on um, what we've got coming up. And... um, but just the, the podcast awards, if you do get a chance, please head over there um, and um, vote, as we say, because it'd be great to um, help get the podcast out to a, a larger audience. So, um, yes, I nominated screen- Bill O'Reilly tomorrow, his podcast. Sorry? I nominated Bill O'Reilly's podcast. Did you? Who's, who's or whoever that guy is from one of the Fox News channels. <laughs> the, the anti-gay guy or whatever. Oh, right. Well, oh, thank you. Did thank you, you vote him for, for best BLT? Yeah, <laughs> bacon, lettuce, tomato. Yeah. Well, I say, it sounds like I say the uh, listeria continues. Um, isn't that that's a mouthwash? Is it not? No, no, it's a listerine. Listeria is a. I think listeria is a. Um, isn't that a disease? <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> Which is. is probably quite fitting. But um, yeah. so, <clears throat> so anyway, um, hopefully that's the last of the um, the, the cat um, droppings. Um, but what we'll do now, go on to our um, top three, I think. And uh, this time we're going to be talking about... Oh, an elephant's just come in and done a poo on my floor. Can we take a break for a second? <laughs> Eric. Play the trailer again. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Continue. Uh, okay. Well, we, well, we'll get to something probably quite, um, quite apt in a minute, won't we? But... Uh, top three best Jalo death scenes, and obviously the slasher movie um, got more and more creative after Friday Thirteenth, looking at more and more creative ways to kill teenagers off. But of course, it wasn't the, um, the they weren't the originators of the creative death. Um, if any film probably was, it probably was a Jalo because as we're going to talk about, they had some very wacky and very effective death scenes. So, who wants to go first? Um, how about you, Eric? What's your number three? Okay, my number three comes from The Boogeyman and the French Murders, or the, actually should be The Bogeyman and the French Murders, aka The French Sex Murders. Um, I was The one I was initially thinking of was the, the very, very opening shot, which is a low-angle shot of the Eiffel Tower, and you see this um, silhouette, I suppose you would call it, um, fall towards the camera replicating somebody being pushed off the top of the Eiffel Tower and it's so shoddy that I can only assume it was probably an artistic device rather than intended to be 
a proper special effect. But um, the other, the, the one effect in the film that is quite well done uh, is something that is very similar to what happens to David Warner in The Omen. We have a, a guy being chased uh, uh, by the police. He's on a motorbike. He turns a corner and fails to spot that there is a delivery van um, with its uh, sort of ramp, I suppose, open and uh, he goes head first into well he goes neck first into it actually which uh, decapitates him takes his head completely off um which i thought was so that's two great murder well one shoddy murder one quite interesting murder for the price of one in uh boogeyman and the french murders mm. and mm. that's got um rosabella neary in it as well isn't it, it oh does it i think so mm. yeah she's the yeah. um the chanteuse in the um the nightclub and they're quite oh. similar, aren't they? Sort of, um, uh, sort of, you know, films like uh, Sleaze Wise. Although um, there isn't, I don't think there's um, any um, uh, gusset typing in no. that one. <laughs> although there, is, although there is a, um, uh, the reason it's called the Bogeyman and the French Murders is because the lead detective sort of resembles Humphrey Bogart. But just, I haven't watched the film in a while, but that has no relevance to the plot, does it? The fact no. that he looks like Humphrey Bogart. It's just, yeah, it just it's, looks it's like strange. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very odd. But um, but yeah, a fun movie. So, um, well, thank you for that, Eric. So F- Fatal Frames should be called Susie Sue and the Fatal Frames because Stephanie is there. Etc. cetera, et cetera. He can't even finish it. He's laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he knows he's not, he's not speaking the truth. So, anyway, enough of Eric. Um, Joseph, what was your number three? Well, my number three is... Uh, the opening scene from Mario Bava's A Bay of Blood from, was it 1972, I believe mm. it is? I can't remember the year. 71, but, uh, I think. The 71, yeah. that's it. But I, I like the idea of uh, you see this woman in a wheelchair and then uh, somebody with the requisite black gloves. Now, a lot of people think this might not be a, a jolly. It's more of a body count precursor, but um, I'm including it because it's Italian. And the mm. guy's wearing black gloves. So uh, anyway, he... Um, he puts a noose around her neck, knocks her out of the wheelchair, and he hangs her. But I, I like the idea that it pans up to show you who the killer is, and then he in, he ends up getting killed off by an unseen person. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Bay of Blood is a lot like that through the whole movie. Like, one person turns out to be a killer only to be bumped off by someone else mm-hmm. who's kind of mysterious for a while, and it kind of follows that pattern until the end. But uh, I, I found that opening scene with the woman in the wheelchair, the elderly woman uh, getting bumped off, I found that really surprising. Mm, mm. No, it's I mean it's a great film, and also it's just kind of uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a black comedy, isn't it? Um, yeah, that whole it's thing. It's got some but, very uh, macabre humor. Yeah, you know, but considering it's almost like the it's it's a bit um, well, it's not really the right thing to say, but it's it's kind of the scream of its day. But it's kind of deconstructing um, the the jalo, isn't it? In a lot of ways, which is the, obviously the film type of film that Mario Bava arguably helped create in the first place um, with the the girl who knew too much, but um, but yeah, no, that's a good choice. Thank you, Joseph. Mm. Um, anything to say on that, Eric? No, but I do, I do think Bay of Blood is filled with with very interesting murder sequences. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I, there's so many to pick from. I mean, mm. I like I like the um, is it a sickle somebody gets through their face, much like um, the guy in the wheelchair in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Mm. It's a door, um, it's like he? a it's like a sling blade almost. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Some folks call it a Kaiser blade, <laughs> something like that. But no, yeah, I do agree that that's a great opening um, sequence for Bay of Blood. Yeah, 
Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you, Joseph. Um, my number three is Paolo Caveira's um, The Black Belly of the Tarantula, which was also from 1971. Um, and again, with the Jalo, it was kind of a lot of the kind of uh, almost, if you, when you actually take them in isolation, they, I mean, they sound very, very daft, a lot dafter than most slasher movie um, uh, motives and um, uh, the killings. And in The Black Belly Tarantula, a killer, again, it's a similar to um, to uh, Slaughter Hotel. It's kind of, it kind of revolves around a, um, a health and beauty centre, which is populated by beautiful women, um, and somebody is killing, killing them off one by one. But the thing that makes it slightly unique is what he or she does is um is basically stabs them in the back of the neck with tarantula um no wasp it's it's a it's a poison taken from wasp which 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 makes them um uh, sort of basically uh, go into um uh, you know immobilizes them but they're fully conscious but they can't move and it's what a wasp does to a tarantula and then lays their eggs in the still living tarantula and tarantula is essentially eaten alive but um, what the killer does is um, gives this to uh, his or her victims, and um, so they can't move, but they're they're aware when they're killed. And there's a great scene uh, with Barbara Boucher. Boucher no, Barbara Boucher. It was Barbara Boucher, but she she gets killed. Um, but the one I'm thinking of is uh, who was the other one? Uh, Barbara Bach, who was a Bond girl and also went on to be in the kind of little scene slash movie The Unseen. Um, she gets um, she gets killed, uh, but the killer does that. And there's a great scene, um, very iconic, with the killer standing above her with the the blade flashing, and she's lying naked in front of him or her. Um, and then uh, he stabs her to death. But uh, yes, that's my number three. So, mm -hmm. any any thoughts on that one? I haven't watched um, I haven't watched Black Belly of the Tarantula for a while, mm. so. It's not one of my favourite films, but it's got, no, it's got some yeah. good stuff. It's got a great revelation, which I won't say. The killer's revelation in it is quite um, amusing. Um, and I, I like uh, Giancarlo Gianni as um, Inspector Tellini in it. He's, he's, he's a really good actor. He's a, he's a kind of, he was in lots of non-genre Italian films. Um, and he's probably a better actor than a lot of the actors and actresses they used to get in, you know, in the giallo. So that kind of really helps lift it up as well. But... Um, uh, but yes, that's my number three. And um, talking of cats using toilets, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you Here might go. know what's coming next. Okay, Eric, what's your number two? Okay, my number two comes from the granddaddy of all jelly. It is from Deep Red. And it's the ones, well, it's one of... So I suppose a number of scenes in films that really, really makes me wince. It's where I can't remember the character's name or the actor's name, which is, you know, brilliant research. Thank you very much. Uh, it's where he, the guy is, has his teeth bashed off the edge of a mantelpiece. Mm. Now, that doesn't actually kill him, but um, it makes me want to faint, to be honest. Uh, and the, his sort of final moments are we see the knife and the camera follows the knife sort of as if the camera and the knife are, are sort of connected in some way and he is stabbed through the neck. Uh, I just think it's, it's, it's a, it starts off really beautiful, uh, brutal and ends up quite kind of artistic, the, the whole uh, murder scene. Uh, so yeah, it's from Deep Red. Mm. Um, I mean, Argento is arguably the, uh, the maestro of the uh, Jalo death scene, isn't he? Mm, he is. 
Um, but all his death scenes, of course, well, I suppose all the Giallo death scenes have that really, really fake looking blood, um, mm. which, uh, as Tom Savini says about the blood in Dawn of the Dead, it looks like melted crayons. <laughs> but, yes, it does. Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I wonder why they did that. Um, mm. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's the great death scene and um, deep red. But it's 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 the bashing of the teeth that really, really um, gets me in that scene. But it's a bit like the um, that scene in uh, Last House on the Left, isn't it, with the chisel, the dream sequence, and chisel on the the teeth. And um, I remember when I was at college, we did an all night horror film festival, and that was the one scene that got people screaming. It's, mm. the, it's just the idea of a chisel to the teeth and it's, it's, it's horrific but it's not as horrific as having your head chopped off or something like that but it's more I don't know I don't know if it's more it's more identifiable I suppose you can yes. really relate to it because we've yeah, all sort I don't know we have not bashed our mouths off mantelpieces but you, you understand the pain that sort of some yeah. kind of gentle you know what you sort of what you kind of you mean if you kind of caught your teeth on something hard exactly yeah 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 <laughs> i saw that coming i knew that was coming <laughs> get that coming uh, yes we did yes yeah hold on yeah. i think it deserves a it um, was it wasn't that hard well done matron uh, well it seems a little bit rickety doctor is it yes well of course it's fairly easy to get it up it's getting it to stay up that's what counts oh, of course right okay love well, him love uh, him Thank you, Eric. How about you, Joseph? What's your number two? Actually, before, sorry, I do apologise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Eric. Uh, sorry, Joseph, what's your number two? Yes, you cannot forget the kitten or the cat. Uh, my number two is from an Argento film, uh, Opera. It's basically the the knife through the the jaw the lower jaw of William McNamara's character. Now, what's funny about this film is that um, William McNamara he he, he was uh, the murderer in Copycat, and he was in uh, one of my picks from a couple of weeks ago where we, where we picked uh, non horror films. But anyway, uh, I picked this scene because it's it's really graphic. You know, like you said, Argento is kind of the this like composer when it comes to graphic murders and basically the the killer stabs him through the the lower jaw and it and you see the the blade i, I guess it's like a pitching trowel or whatever he uses to stab him it goes through his lower jaw and you see it come up from like the bottom of his mouth and it's like wiggling around inside of his mouth and it's they show like a a, a close-up of it and, and, and you know it's like the the teeth on the mantle scene like eric was talking about from deep red it's very uncomfortable you know showing that kind of close-up of the you know, of of the mouth and the pain inflicted upon it. So that's, uh, it's really artistic the way they've done it, but at the same time, it's very wince inducing. So that's why mm. I picked that. Excellent. Okay. Well, no, I think it's a, it's a, arguably his last, um, you know, good film, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, no, I think it's quite kind of ironic that, um, my number two was an Argento film. And Joseph's number two was an Argento film, and your cat Argento just did a number two. <laughs> Ooh, is weird, isn't it? It is I weird. Guess you should go play the lottery today. I think we should, all of us. Oh. Yeah. Well, by the way, I, I saw since we last spoke um, three weeks ago. Now I saw Copycat. It was on uh, the television, and I, I, I did enjoy it. I have to say, I remember you. I really liked this film. Yeah. A lot. Okay. No, I have to watch it. I, I still haven't seen it, but I shall add that to my ever-growing list. So. Um, well, thank you, Joseph. And let's see what my number two is. Cat. Meow. 
Right. Well, suitably, it's not an Argento film, my number two, but my number two is The Crimes of the Black Cat um, from 1972, uh, directed by Sergio Pastor. And um, it, uh, it's a film starring Anthony Stefan and Sylvia Koski, Koskanana? I can, Koskanana is probably, you don't probably don't say a name like that, Koskina. Um, but um, yeah, Crimes of the Black Cat, it's kind of an atypical giallo because it's a bit like um, uh, the Iguana with a Tongue of Fire and those kind of films where that was set in Dublin. Um, this is Yay. set, I think it's in Copenhagen or, or somewhere, Ostend or somewhere, somewhere cold, um, unlike the kind of hot Latin locations of uh, many giallo. Um, but the, it's not so much the one murder here, although there is a very effective um, sort of scene lifted from Psycho with uh, a woman who's killed in a shower, um, basically a recreation of the, the famous scene in Psycho. But it's one of my favourite nutty kind of murder methods. And the way that people are killed in this, in this is by somebody taking... Um, basically, it turns out that it's, they've been taking around a cat... Um, inside a uh, basically a box covered in a yellow shawl and they've dipped the cat's claws in poison so when people open up the box the cat jumps out like a sort of you know which you don't actually see but it jumps out and scratches the person and then they die which I thought um, was probably one of the most impractical murder methods that you could possibly ever have because trying to mm. use a cat as an assassin I think would always be difficult um, and having taken a cat to the vets in the last week, I know the last thing I want to be is in any kind of carrier, especially if all they have to do is get out by jumping through a yellow shawl. So, so that's my <laughs> big number two. Um, but that's quite a fun film um, and very mm. daft. Have you both seen that? Yeah, again, a, a long time ago, so I can't really recall. I do recall the the sort of murder method of using the cat with the poison claws, but apart from that, I don't remember much. No, no. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have seen it. Okay, excellent. All right, well, good stuff. And um, I guess we're on to our, our top Jalo murder scenes, aren't we? What mm -hmm. would yours be, Eric? My number one comes from My Dear Killer, which is a 1972 film by Tonino Valeri. Mm. Um, and it's it's actually at the very, very start of the film, there is a guy looking around this, this lake in a quarry. Uh, he's investigating a murder that's taken place there. Um, and I don't even know if he has any lines in the film, but uh, he is soon decapitated by an excavator or a digger or a dredger, whatever you want to call that, that device. It's kind of a JCB type device. It basically locks onto his head, lifts him up, and you can see him struggling and his legs flapping. And then his body falls to the ground, you know, soon after, followed by his head. Uh, I just thought it was so over the top and uh, very much like a 1980s American slasher movie death. So that's um, number one. It's uh, My Dear Killer. And of course, that also has um, Marissa Mel, doesn't it, playing a dual uh, role in that. And she... Um, there's a, a a scene where she gets killed with a circular saw, isn't there? Yes. The addict, I, I'm, not, well, I'm not sure about the actress's name, but I know that somebody does get killed with a big circular saw, and it is really gory. Yeah. For because Jallos around this time weren't particularly graphic. No. Um, but uh, that particular scene was. It yeah, was straight yeah. out of um, I don't know pieces or something. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. excellent. Okay. Have you, you seen that, uh, Joseph? Yes, I have. I really like My Dear Killer a lot. Mm. I was very proud. I got 
quoted on the cover on the DVD cover on that one. So, so oh, that's you? right, you did, didn't you? Yeah. So I was very, very proud of that. <laughs> which so. uh, which release? The British one or the? It's the American one, I think. All oh, right. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll grab it in a minute. But anyway, so yeah, well, that's that's good. Thank you, Eric. How about you, Joseph? What's your number one? Well, I'm repeating myself here uh, doubly because my number one is another Argento pick, and I've actually picked it before, but it's just such a great scene, I had to pick it again. Um, I don't remember what I picked it for in the past, but I did pick it, but it's the arterial arm chopping from uh, Tenebrae from okay, 1982. Yeah. I just I just think it's a very artistic scene. I mean, this woman you know, is sitting by the window with a gun because I guess she suspects someone's coming after her, and then the axe kind of busts through the window and chops her arm off, and then you know, the stump is spraying this like ghostly white wall with like crimson and i just think it's it's a very very neat scene and you know like i said argento is kind of the master at you know framing these uh, artistic murders and he makes them look like high art so yeah that's why i picked that i mean i'm i'm repeating myself again but what can i do it's 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 such a great scene in a, in a really great film i think yeah fantastic yeah, that, yeah that's a really good uh really good pick um that's uh silvio berlusconi's wife isn't it uh, that actress, who? the is actress it? who gets her hand chopped off, and really, yeah, what is she? Um, uh, she's Veronica Lara, Lala, Lario. Yes, Veronica that... Lario. Yeah, uh, and she's oh, is she okay? Yeah, right. mm. I'm not, not sure if they're still together, but they were married. I can't imagine. With his, doesn't he keep having bunga parties with underage um, exotic dancers? <laughs> 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 no, that's Jimmy Savile you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. mm, yes, um, yes, Jimmy Savile. We were doing. Um, we did some very. Uh, we have you, you know that face juggler that we put yes, stuff up yeah, on, on Facebook. Yeah, iPhone. Yeah, yeah. But we found out we because after drinking cocktails last night, we found out that if you happen to have a, a photo of somebody or a picture behind you when you do that, it will sometimes swap the face with the person. Oh, in brilliant! The, and um, and so, so yeah, we we had a few drinks, and then um, someone got up a picture of Jimmy Savile on the um, on the uh, the laptop, and um, yes, and then it turned into Myra Hindley, Rose West, oh, no. Margaret Thatcher, and it just went on oh, down and down. Yes. So anyway, not proud of that. They should but, swap um, they faces won't... with Toya and Susie and see what happens. Well, exactly. I think I think the world might end. <laughs> Eric, you should try that. You should. Do I think that. I might. But yeah, but obviously the photos from last night will not be going on Facebook. So. Oh, I might, send <laughs> Come you, on. I might send you. I might send you one privately, but um, okay. I can't. Um, yes, uh, they were very disturbing. Actually, very, very disturbing. You should try it. But um, so anyway, um, on that bombshell, um, leading into my number one, funnily enough, is another Argento movie. Actually, it's the same Argento movie. It's Tenebrae, and. Um, <gasps> But I did choose a different death scene. Well, there were two. I was torn between the the death scene, um, the famous scene of the camera panning over the house where the killer kills the two women um, in the house, which I think is probably still ranks amongst Argento's best ever scene. I mean, it's just an incredible scene with this kind of crane that kind of stalks. It's kind of like the point of view shot of the killer, but if the, the killer could levitate and then goes right up over the house and back in through a window, it's, it's with this with the amazing score pumping away. But the scene that I thought, the, the one that really struck me, and it was kind of, 
Tenebrae was kind of, I don't think Argento's ever really said as much, but Tenebrae essentially was his kind of slasher movie, wasn't it? Because it was, it was released in 82 uh, at the tail end of the, the slasher movie boom. And I think it was, he probably decided to make another Jalo with slasher elements because um, it probably he probably was able to get the money to do so. And it's a scene where Lara Wendell, who's in um, in lots of, you know, those kind of ghost houses, isn't she, in that and all those kind of films, but is when she goes to the killer's house and um, she goes in and then the the killer hisses something at her and it's just that the camera follows her and she runs through the... She, basically, the camera pans after and she slams the, the, the side doors and then runs through the grass and the killer's just chasing her and then she gets attacked by a dog um and then the killer catches up with her and kills her and i just thought that that was kind of had all the best elements of um of a slasher movie chase scene and death scene but done under the eye of someone as meticulous and um talented as dario argento as he was then so that was my number one it's a shame um, what happened to him though yeah it is a shame. as far as, as far as his you know talent goes i mean it kind of really got flushed down the toilet after opera in my opinion i mean he's had a couple of um like a uh, trauma i thought was okay but yeah for the most part his movies have been kind of really miss hmm. yeah. i don't yeah i don't really understand i mean there is a lot to be said for not having as much money to do stuff but you could still do smaller scale movies couldn't you and still make good movies um, because his movies didn't uh, back then didn't really su- didn't suffer with the kind of bad acting and dubbing, um, so it makes you wonder why they have to, you know, have all the really bad dubbing and you know the Eurotrash style dubbing on some of them and things like that. It doesn't that that's not something that's down to not having enough money. Well, maybe it is. I don't know, but uh, but yes. But we'll see. Well, Dracula 3D apparently has been picked up for American distribution, um, but. It, under what in what guise i don't know whether or not that's i can't imagine it might get limited theatrical release perhaps but um beyond that i don't know but those are our top three um jalo death scenes and um we'd love to know what yours are so if you'd like to write in and tell us then please do um we'll come up with the the details of how to contact the show a little bit later but i think it's probably time now if you agree to get on to the first of our feature presentations um what do we reckon Oh, yeah. Let's okay. do it. Right. Well, we're going to go for Slaughter Hotel first. Now, there is a trailer for Slaughter Hotel, but it's there's no dialogue in it. So so I thought um, uh, I'll play a little bit of dialogue from the film to lead us in. Anne, don't you want to get well? Uh, I'm not sick, Doctor. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't know why I'm here. I didn't want to kill myself or anyone else. I'm not one of those mad people who need you. I just want to make love. Make love, that's all. There's no question of your being insane, Anne. You're a perfectly healthy woman. It's just that your desire to make love is excessive, compulsive. Go and take a shower. An isolated sanatorium, which is only seemingly populated by the beautiful Eurobabes, tries unusual therapy for its charges, which includes rigorous croquet therapy and enthusiastic buttock massaging. The mental health facility also helpfully has a medieval armoury, which comes in handy when a psychotic killer in a long black coat cloak starts hacking up the patients with an axe, scythe and mace in its notorious grindhouse jallow. 
Slaughter Hotel, also known as, um, what have we got here? Also known as The Beast Kills in Cold Blood. Um, also Asylum Erotica and also a name which um, the Belgium title apparently and this is quite um, fitting considering what Argento did earlier it's Les, Les Insatiables Poopies Erotics <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Insatiable Erotic Poopies yes um, <laughs> that's what we're getting at right there yes um, so I know what Poopies is in, in French um, obviously I know what Insatiables and Les well, yes, how do you spell poopies? It's a P O U P E hyphen above the E E S. So okay. it's poopies or poopes, erotics. But thankfully, there's no erotic poopies in this film. But <laughs> there is an awful lot. But you can actually the the title um, erotics asylum or asylum erotica is um, is 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 probably a little bit more apt. Um, I can't remember who said on one, on the Facebook page. Somebody, uh, uh, one of our listeners, said, "I just started. What I just watched um, Asylum Erotica. Oh my!" And if you're not initiated into this film, then it could come as a shock if you sit down with your, um, you know, your your boyfriend or girlfriend um, to sit this film uh, to watch this film, and then it um, you suddenly see um, a close up of a lady. Um, you know, well, how can I, you know, put it politely, flicking the bean. Flicking not, the bean? Yes, not once, <clears throat> not twice, but at least three yeah. times there are close-up um, vaginal massaging going on in this film, which were um, inserts. I don't think they weren't actually filmed by the director, but it was common practice um, to uh, to release um, Jalo with um, hardcore inserts, especially in the States, um, and then sort of sell them as sex films. So... But having said that, even without that, pretty much every actress um, gets her, um, you know, gets gets her boobs out, and you know, and not a word of a lie. But I had the Shriek Show DVD, and I was watching it this morning, and there's a scene where the killer um, attacks a woman um, who's this fantastic. I can't remember her name. She's a blonde-haired actress who's got these most amazing eyelashes, like tarantulas, and she's lying in bed, and there's a great scene when it starts the film which is started at the beginning of the podcast where her husband's driving her to the to this kind of sanatorium and uh, she goes you're sending me to the loony bin and he says they don't call it loony bins anymore dear and um she sort of grabs the wheel and they almost crash and he sort of says oh you know it's, it's all very well trying to kill me but why commit suicide um and then she gets to the asylum and then she she kind of attacks a doctor with a log who tells her to have a nice lie down. But anyway, her therapy extends to her being attacked by the killer um, who cuts off her panties with a kind of medieval sword or kind of dagger. And um, the, the, the DVD froze at the moment um, that the, the, the dagger tip is poised right over her her minge basically and um and it stuck there just as um someone walked in uh, uh, there it was and you know it, well i didn't pause it on purpose but <laughs> it's not what it looks like it's not what it looks like exactly um it's but, my face red <laughs> absolutely um so um well i'll talk a little bit more about it but um what were your thoughts guys what about you joseph Actually, you know what? I I, I kind of liked Slaughterhouse Hotel. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's really silly. I mean, why mm. would you? Why does this hospital have all these medieval weapons? I mean, mm. it's like the Spanish Inquisition almost. If that was like tough love for heretics, this is like tough love for nymphomaniacs. Um, 
And I, I love the scene where um, I don't remember who it was, but one of the one of the nymphomaniacs is kind of roaming around, and she ha- she happens upon the gardener in the in the greenhouse, mm. and so she's trying to seduce him, and he just says, "Please, I'm just a gardener." Like, like you know, that's going to stop them from having sex. But uh, basically, they do have sex, and they have this sex music that loops. Instead of, you know, kind of fading out naturally, it stops, and it's, like, automatically rewound, and it plays from the beginning again. And it just keeps looping over and over like that. And finally, after, you know, they get done having sex, um, he's like, you have to get back to your room. If, if they catch you with me, I will be fired. And she just won't go. She just wants to, like, you know, jump his bones again. So he does this hilarious, like, triple slap. He's like, smack, smack, smack. He's like, leave me alone. And I got a good kick out of that. And, you know, like you said, there is like consistent, like, like almost scary amounts of female nudity. And then some of the uh, semi X-rated close-ups of their vaginal area I thought was kind of weird. And, um, but uh, another scene I really liked was the the cha cha dancing foreplay scene between the two the 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 lesbian couple near the end where the woman's in the bath and she's getting the sponge bath and she's like go have a lie down I'll be in there in a minute and then she goes in there and instead of you know you know going at it you know, the 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 darker girl just starts cha cha dancing and it goes on and on and on. Is that when she but, says because she's she's uh, um, she says oh this, this music's from your country isn't it or something like that so it's, I know it's, I mean, it's so, kind of borderline uh, racist but, uh, really yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of the film out of the, you know silly stuff like that and um, I kind of like the actual finale where they reveal the killer now um, I guess getting into a little bit of spoiler territory uh, the killer turns out to be uh, one of the orderlies I can't remember his name but he has the exact same haircut as Klaus Kinski's character. So they kind of try to trick you into thinking it's Klaus Kinski a lot because mm. you can see his hair in the shadows. You're like, oh, it's Klaus Kinski, but no, it's the other guy. I, don't but, think um, it was an order- was it, I thought it was um, Margaret Lee's husband. It, I thought it was Margaret Lee's husband as well. Because you only was see he, him right, right at the was, beginning. Was he husband? I thought he was an orderly or something. No, it's it's her husband. Because you see there's a scene right at the beginning where, she, where um, they're going to let her go. And um, she's having an affair or kind of start an affair with Klaus Kinski. And um, he doesn't want her to go. And then the husband's in the room going, oh, it's great. You're going to be coming home. She needs to come home because she runs the company. And I, th- I thought oh, I that, thought that guy was an orderly. Okay, I'm, yeah. I got a little confused. But you know who I'm talking about anyway. Yes, yes. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's only in the movie for like one scene before he's mm-hmm. revealed to be the, the, mur- the murder. He's an utter dreamboat. Is he? <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I lie. I lie. But I like the finale. It's kind of it's kind of hyper violent. I mean, it's mm. it kind of you know the, most of the murder f- scenes are kind of done in shadow or implied. But then at the end, you have this guy. He's basically running away from the cops, and they corner him, and he goes into this room with like five or six women, and he basically bludgeons them all. And it, and the film kind of ends like that. It's kind of mm. I don't know. It kind of goes against the uh, whole semi silly erotic nature of the of the film i don't know but it kind of works in that way where it's kind of like the antithesis of that but yeah i like the slaughter hotel it's really stupid and but it's it's a yeah. lot of fun i had mm. i had fun with it what about you eric well uh, i thought it reminded me very much of uh, fellini's eight and a half <laughs> did you <laughs> <laughs> uh, no um, if art house cinema has a polar opposite, then uh, this is it. Uh, I mean, the film is just bonkers. I mean, from the outset, you have, you have like when the film started, um, 
I was like, oh, there's this mental institution and they're allowed to walk around with croquet mallets all the time. How weird. But then you see all these medieval implements for torture and you're like, okay, croquet mallets are the least of their worries. They've got these maces <laughs> yeah, and really. axes. They even have an Iron Maiden in this mental institution. Yeah, they have an Iron Maiden. I mean, mm-hmm. why? Why I, would you have an Iron Maiden in a hospital? Especially when, like, early on, a woman tries to... Is that like a virgin therapy for... I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't think I think it's just um, the environs that the, the, the place is set in. I don't think it serves any purpose to the therapy. Mm. I mean, you'd want to be careful around there, especially when like that woman at the start attacks the doctor with the log. I mean, what's she going to do when she sees all the variety of implements that are going to be at her disposal when she gets it inside? It gives the killer convenient okay. access to a lot of different weapons. It I even does. saw a Mace at one point. He has the the the, the spiked ball on a stick. Mm. Well, I like well, the, you, I like the he uses that when, sorry. So I was to say, I like the scene where he kind of there's various scenes where he goes up and up to where all the weaponry is on the wall, and it's kind of like it's like a box of chocolates, isn't it? He's going, you see this black hand, black gloved hands going to. He goes, oh, 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 no, oh, mm, no, mm, oh, no, I'll get, oh, I'll take the axe this time. Yeah. So he's yeah. kind of thinking, which shall I have? You know, will I have the hard center or soft center? Um, mm. So it was literally like a, a maniac in a sweet shop, wasn't it? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, mm. um, yeah. I, I, I did enjoy the film. I thought it could be a bit shorter because I wasn't that enthused about all um, the scenes where women are writhing around on the bed, having a little tiptoe through the tulips. Um, they went. I love on, your metaphors for for <laughs> masturbation. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> but I mean, they did go on incredibly long. Well, it seemed like ages to me. I mean. That one with um, Anne, toward, uh, maybe two thirds the way through the film, seemed to go on for about f- at least five minutes, which is a lot of screen time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then there's the dance scene as well, which I didn't mind because I thought that was quite funny. And that went on for about five minutes. So the film does have its uh, uh, slow portions, but um, I thought it was so deliriously trashy and silly. Apart from that very end murder, mass murder scene with the mace, I thought that was incredibly brutal mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. really, really. Graphic. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, Justin, you were talking about long ago on the podcast about endings that are sort of out of kilter with the rest of the film. I thought that yeah. was because it was incredibly, um, it was like something from a Tarantino movie or something really disturbing for mm. a film that for the rest of its running time is so trashy. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like a Girls' Night Out or Sleepaway Camp. They have these exactly. kind of mm. stark endings that go, go against their silly kind of preamble and then it just kind of takes you out but at the same time yeah. it kind of works did you notice though when he comes into the room and um they're all the nurses are there and they all all of them kind of cower away and run away from him apart from one in the in a bed just by the door who just lies there and does nothing and then he whacks her over the head and it does a close-up and shows his shows her kind of bleeding but it was kind of like it, it was just i don't know it was just obviously bad editing but he kind of bursts in all the nurses scream and one just lying there getting like la 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 maybe well maybe like. she'd had a few james bonds she might have done indeed yeah. yes but you know i don't know if you know but is um i mean the film talk a little bit more about background um that sort of dug up on the film but that was kind of um arguably in inspired by the richard speck murders in 1966 mm. which is where he kind of broke into a house um and killed nurses which a similar scene was um done in 10 to midnight the charles bronson sort of nude killer movie with um uh sort of um John Travolta's wife um, is in that. But but yes, so that was arguably because the film, when it was released in America in 73, was something with a tagline, something like, see the, the mur- brutal murders of eight beautiful nurses or something. So it was kind of either inspired by the Richard Speck murders or it certainly s- 
sold to an American audience as um, as being inspired by it. But um, um, but uh, yeah, and that ki- it was it was bizarre that end with that killer, wasn't it? Because he looks like um, like you say he's not exactly a dreamboat. He kind of looks like um, the Simpsons, Mister Burns in the Beatles wig. I thought <laughs> he does, um, doesn't he? Yeah, which is kind of bizarre. But um, but not as horrific as um, Margaret Lee's um, velvet jumpsuit, which she kind of wore throughout. Which would have been. <laughs> I think been... I think Slaughter Hotel can be best summed up uh, when Klaus Kinsey's like the least like least yeah. weird element in your film. Then you know you've got problems. Exactly. exactly. He's funny. Oh, it, but he was kind of like he's you know in a lot of films Klaus Kinski is just kind of off the wall completely. But he's really he's very subdued in this. He's film very almost. subdued. I mean, he doesn't really have any use, does he? No, you know, he, hasn't, no. he hasn't got a lot of screen time. To no. be honest, yeah. they just but, want you to think he's the murderer since he's the star and um, yeah. he's kind of a famous name, and then mm-hmm. he has the same shaggy hair. But other than that, he's kind of useless. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, it was, I mean, it failed. I, if you go into it to watch it, to, hoping it's going to be a giallo, then it's it's more, I think I've seen reviews online that said it's kind of more of a sex film with giallo elements thrown in, horror elements thrown in, which I think is, is probably true. Um, but it's also so deliciously daft and stupid and trashy um, that you can't, I mean, I, mean, I, I find it very entertaining um I, it's just i, I love, love the fact you got it's monica strebel who's the the red-haired nurse who is this predatory lesbian nurse you know there was i mean the jello is of its time and obviously it's you know they're they're kind of um the sexual politics are obviously all over the place and um whenever you have lesbians in in jello like um uh, case of the bloody iris they're always predatory lesbians but um that's the <laughs> 70s for you i kind of guess but but in this it's kind of like this kind of you know this vulnerable woman that she was kind of like you know i wonder you know if she was ever going to get struck off you know from being you know <laughs> that's soaping, highly unprofessional soaping her. yeah basically she's got this woman this w- woman in the bath and um she takes off her clothes and um, uh, strips down to her panties and then sort of um, basically gets a loofah and we don't see it, but it looks like she sticks a loofah up her Lulu. And this woman goes, <laughs> how marvellous. <laughs> and it's kind of, mm-hmm. and then she goes, then this nurse goes and sits at the chair while this woman's drying herself off, takes off her panties and then has a little bit of a gusset type. Um, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, best practice really there, are we? No. No, so... But she doesn't. She doesn't get killed, does she? But um, her, her her lesbian lover does get an arrow through the neck. Mm. But uh, yes. So, anything else you want to say about Slaughter Hotel? Have we, I've got a little bit of um, background. Well, I think the, um, if you want to compare it to another Jallo, it's a nearest sibling. I think would probably strip nude for your killer in terms of mm. silliness and and um, Kit Kat shuffling and mm. all that. Well, it's Eric, of... you do a lot of chunky cat, cat shuffling, don't you? I'm doing it right now. Oh, ooh, ooh. dear. Um, but no, I, I agree. There was a, it, what I think for this film was kind of atypical in so much that it was um, so explicit for the time because later on the Jalo, um, uh, you know, got some very notorious films like uh, Jalo Venezia and like, um, and also Play Motel, um, you know, films where they kind of interspersed kind of pornography hardcore porn into into the films with very very explicit violence yeah now um, that you mention it it kind of reminds me of um the, the the slashers the sex maniac with a farley granger 
yeah. had a lot of the X-rated inserts. Because that was released in the States as Penetration, wasn't Yeah, it, Penetration, yeah. Um, which, again, like you say, it's got all these kind of inserts. And I think the, the most explicit inserts in this weren't filmed by... Um, uh, who was the director? It was... Uh, what was his name? Um, Fernando for, de Leo. Uh, de Leo, that's right, yes. <laughs> uh, but even so, there was still quite a lot of nudity, wasn't it? All of the main characters get nude at least once um, and writhe around on the beds for ages and ages. And Except ages. we should tell people, don't worry, Klaus Kinski doesn't get naked. no. No, no, that's probably for the Thanks, best, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, have you got anything, any background or anything you want to say about the film? Or not in this one? No, not, not on Slaughter, not on Slaughter Hotel, but I do a little bit for the next film. Okay, so okay. do I. Well, I've just got a few bits to say. The uh, Fernando de Leo, the director, um, this is his only um, foray into the Jalo. He was going to probably better known for his westerns and crime films. Um, and um, the Shriek Show um, disc that came out about six, seven, eight years ago, maybe. Um, uh, there's an interview with it, and he's he's passed away sadly since then. But he said he wasn't particularly proud of this film, but he was proud the fact that it had a um, a cult following. And essentially, it was a, it was knocked together very, very quickly um, to try and um, steal the funder. Well, to basically, soak up some of the financial success of the Argento um, uh, films from the early seventies. And um, it was filmed in just 12 days, so it was a very quick turnaround. But I did think it, it looks really good, doesn't it? It kind of, uh, the cinematography is excellent. Um, and the um, the soundtrack by, who was the soundtrack? It was by somebody, do, 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 I can't, uh, or Silvano Spadicino. Um, apparently it was scored in an evening by him. Um, and I think the music actually was pretty pretty nice so, so i'm surprised that was unless some of it was um taken from other places uh, what else is there um the 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 location of it was um it was the same sort of house kind of like it's a um like a mansion isolated mansion that was used in uh, burial grounds and also patrick lives again oh um, two great movies yeah. yes exactly mm-hmm. um but <laughs> Whether or not it's true or not, but it's, it, I did find it said apparently the house was once owned by a rich Vatican priest. Um, and when he died, his relatives inherited it and rented it out to film productions. Um, and sort of saying yeah, the for, the, for the most uncatholic type films they could exactly, possibly exactly yeah. exactly well especially Patrick lives again because that's um, that gets well, I can't remember the name now the woman who gets her boobies chewed off in burial yeah. ground gets a poker straight up her her Lulu Lulu in, yeah. in um, Patrick <laughs> lives again so you can imagine this Catholic priest kind of like you know uh, anyway um, that's well that's the Catholic Church for you I can guess isn't it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, There's some kind of sexual guilt with these Italian directors always, you know, mutilating uh, very n- naughty body parts. Mm. What, like Lulu's? Yeah, like Lulu's, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well, yeah, it is, it's funny, isn't it? But they kind of, a lot of them, a lot of Jallos have the um, the killer turn out to be a priest, don't they? And that mm-hmm. is, again, that's all, to, it was a kind of, a, there's quite a lot of stuff about politics and uh the politics of the church and everything around in the 70s in italy and so so that's you know that's time for, for another time but it was kind of interesting and lastly apparently it is now a historic inn so you can actually go and stay there but whether or not you can still get uh buttock massages i don't know but oh. um one of us will have to go to italy and find <laughs> out won't we? but uh, wow. yes well there you go well that is slaughter hotel so but that AKA was just... cold-blooded killer. Exactly, yeah, cold-blooded killer. Um, and the cold-blooded cold Asylum blood erotica? 
Asylum Erotica. Uh, just, just lastly, yeah. actually, one last thing was the, sh- the Shriek Show um, disc. Um, it, it's, it's very good, but it, it gets. I don't know if it's the version you saw, but when the um, um, there's two scene, well, one scene where they play the wrong audio. Um, yes, I yeah, have it's version. at the end because um, the Shriek mm. Show version is the one they title uh, "Cold Blooded Beast," isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's the uh, one where, I, I. It's uh, where the obtained. arrow comes through the neck, is it? That's right, and so yeah. it's got the wrong. Di- they play the dialogue scene from um, the, twice. In, the next scene. Yeah, to play it twice, yeah. um, which yeah. is a real, really bad fuck up. Um, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you, you would think they would. They would I have um, also acquired a version. The Baby Jesus delivered a version to me, okay. uh, and that yeah, scene. That, that scene. That scene is intact. Uh, the audio is intact, but it is in Italian. So right. maybe there was no ever. There was never any English. Um, uh, or it got lost of, or yeah. something. Possibly because there's an Italian disc out, which apparently is in dual. It's got uh, English and Italian. That's what I thought anyway. But um, um, and you can you can get it actually in on Region Two DVD, which is our neck of the woods, just in, as uh, Asylum Erotica uncut apparently. So I don't know if that means that that scene is in there, but. Okay. I don't know if it's a, a heavily like expository scene. I don't think you really miss a whole lot of information because it just basically no. focuses on the women kind of scared after the arrow through the, the throat yep. or whatever. And then it just, mm. those guys, the orderlies come in and then it just kind of goes into the whole, the, the finale. Mm. Be interesting if there was some dialogue playing over the woman gossip typing. <laughs> yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> I wonder what it would be. Yeah. Um, I'll just play just before to finish because I did have another um, sound clip that made me chuckle a little bit, and this is um, this is uh, towards the end. It doesn't really give anything away, but it's kind of this is where they call in the police, um, and it's uh, here we go. You acted like a fool. Ah, explain or can't you? You moved the bodies, extracted the weapons, and took them away. Wasted your time. Then finally called the police and asked us to come as quickly as possible and with the utmost discretion. You must think this is sort of a sideshow and not the handiwork of a brutal killer, of a sex maniac. You must be crazy. Up to now you've been acting like an accomplice. I refuse to stand here and let you be so insulting. Relax, Professor. Why should you feel the commissioner is insulting you? Up to now everything you've done has helped the killer. That's enough. Not by half it isn't. You've interfered disastrously with the police. Neither my colleague nor I can do anything whatever to prevent other killings from taking place in this clinic. Telephone headquarters. Yes, well, that told him, didn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was Slaughter Hotel. Sent him to his room. Exactly, exactly. And um, that was the the entree, not the entree, but that was the starter. And unfortunately, this is the main cheese course coming up. Um, and uh, we will play, well, hold on, let's play the trailer for Fatal Frames. Stefania Stella, Rick Gianasi, Ugo Pagliai, David Warbeck, Alida Valli, Giorgio Albertazzi, Ciccio Ingrassia, Linea Quigley, Rossano Brazzi, Donald Pleasance, effetti speciali del premio Oscar Steve Johnson in un thriller senza fine. Stefania Di Giandomenico presenta Fatal Frames, fotogrammi mortali, regia e musiche di Al Festa, l'estremo limite del brivido.
Okay. A music video director comes to Italy to direct a video for pop sensation, with inverted commas, Stefania Stella. He soon encounters a mysterious killer who videotapes his victims for the police. As the horrible murders continue, Rit is unknowingly pushed into the killer's games and he soon becomes a target of the police. The video killer is on the loose and Rit, Rit must find out the truth before it's too late. Fatal Frames. Ah, yes. What can be said about Fatal Frames? Well, as they say, what is, what is seen can never be unseen, I think is probably an apt way of putting it. Um... This film is essentially a love letter to the Jalo, uh, the seventy Jalo. It was made in nineteen ninety six. Coincidentally, the the same year that Scream came out, so um, it was looking back. Um, but it doesn't deconstruct the the Jalo in the same the Scream deconstructs the the slasher movie at all. Um, but it it feels it's made by um, Al Fester, who um, it was a music a video music director. Um, and produced by Stefania Stella, who was, in her own lunchtime, a pop sensation, and um, husband and wife duo who came up with this. And it is, um, I wouldn't say it's laugh a minute, but it is quite a jaw-dropping, um, bizarro... Uh, I, I, it's difficult to describe this film. It's a two-hour-long pop video with Stefania Stella baring her teeth and her breasts, um, throughout with some um, kind of cod argento kind of um, you know they basically all the budget went on colored light gels um, and uh, and um, Stefania Stella's hairspray I kind of guess um, <laughs> it's it's a kind of a vanity project for Stefania Stella and much of the film is taken up um, with pop videos of her writhing around in places like Trevi Fountain, um, outside the Coliseum, with lots of um, muscly men holdering in the air, um, and it's you you have to you have to to see it. It's to see it to believe it. It's um, it is bizarre film. Um, Stefani Stella has a kind of curious delivery. It's kind of phonetic English. Um, she's got quite a low voice as well. Sometimes you can't really understand what she's saying, but she is, she's, a, she's, well, basically she's unique. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what um, Eric and Joseph think of the film. Um, Eric, what are your thoughts on Fatal Frames? I adore Fatal Frames. Um, <laughs> I thought the, you might. I, oh, the first time I saw it was, I think it was last year I saw it. And the reason I'd waited so long be, was because the two hour running time sort of was pushing me away. I thought, you know, even if it is cheesy, two hours is just too long. But in this case, it's not. I could have sat through another hour of Fatal Frames, to be quite honest. Really? Wow. Um, sorry? Really? I was saying it's kind of like you've, you've taken on Nathan's mantle. For this, I feel um, like I'm you. slowly morphing into Nathan. It's like myself <laughs> and Nathan were in some kind of teleport pod and we've joined or something. <laughs> um, it opens with a, a quite a gory decapitation and, mm. uh, and then morphs into a cheesy pop video. And, you know, that is sort of the perfect opening for me, to be to be honest. Um, Stefania Stella, as you said, she speaks phonetic English. I was wondering if, if she even could speak English at all. Uh, it felt like she uh, didn't have a word of the language and was just given phonetic direction by Al Festa. But from interviews I've read, I think she does know the language. So it just makes her a crap actress, I'm afraid. She reminds me kind of of um, a cheeky girl. Um, and again, sorry, Joseph, for that reference. It probably means nothing to you. I but, know um, the cheeky girl. Yeah, like her delivery is so stilted. Um, and just any moment she's on the screen, it just 
makes me laugh. Uh, I just uh, I could watch a Stefania Stella movie for hours on end. She's just she uh, she is unique. Uh, uh, the other sort of cheesy elements I love about the film are I love the fact that every male character, well except for Donald Pleasance, has this uh, long Chippendale hair. They all look like they're members of Color Me Bad. Mm. Um, now that has a pl- <laughs> it do- it does have a plot significance later on. But when you're watching the film, it's like oh my god. People people can diss the 80s all they want, but the 90s were really the, the decade that taste forgot when you look at this film. Oh, my God. Um, and then you have all these wonderful cameos out of nowhere. You've got Linnea Quigley in as a, as a psychic. You've got Angus Scrim, who, you know, is so good in the Phantasm films and is possibly even worse than Stefania Stella in this movie, in, in, yeah. his, in, in, in his brief cameo. Um, of course, David Warbeck is in there, one of his, his last films. Uh, Donald Pleasance, this was his last film, unfortunately. And, and of course, there is a very famous moment later in the film, I'm sure we'll discuss, involving Donald Pleasance's double in a, in a scene sort of contrived to write him out of the script as he died before photography could be completed. Shall I play um, that clip? Do you want me to? Yes, please. Yeah. When are you leaving? I'm on my way. I'm calling from the airport commissioner. I must be home for Halloween. Looks like an old case has been reopened. Mm. Brilliant. Absolute genius. Poor Donald Pleasant. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's kind of like the 90s version of Bloody Moon or something. I, I just love it. And I know that you guys probably aren't as enthusiastic and... Certainly with the running time, you probably have issues, but I don't know. You said you were mentioned 1996 and Scream and that, and I can tell you without um, any hint of irony that I would much prefer to watch Fatal Frames again than Scream. Really? Gosh, yep. that that does surprise me. Mm. Mm. I just, I'm, I mean, I can agree that the, the Jello element is kind of lacking, but <coughs> I think I think the wall, it's a wall-to-wall cheese fest that I just get a kick out of. And it's just, it's just such a unique film mm. not for the reasons Alfesta intended as um, I will discuss later because I've got some interviews with him that um, you know he. Th- I think he was under the impression he was making a serious work of art I think so yes mm-hmm. um, I've, got, I've, just played, I've just got a little clip here just to give people um, uh, an idea of the the acting um, and this this is a scene um, as you say there's lots of um, cameos in this and it's a little bit I'd liken Al Festa to an Italian Rob Zombie because um, for all his faults what he's done is he's obviously a fan of these films and so he's he goes to a lot of the kind of genre stars and people of, who were famous from yesteryear and invited them into this film which a lot of people unless you were, you were a big fan of Italian genre movies some of them you wouldn't know but Alida Valley, um, who was a very famous actress um, in the 1940s and 50s in Italy, not known for horror movies until later, but she was um, she was in Suspiria and also Inferno, and she plays a blind countess, uh, sort of psychic blind countess in this. And um, Stefania Stella takes um, Alex Ritt, the um, uh, and her boyfriend to this kind of mansion where Alida Valley is, and um, then they have this kind of slightly esoteric conversation and here it is Christ that woman's frightening she gives me the creeps this is a weird situation even when she says something that makes no sense 
she's actually trying to dig into you, to explore you. You should look at yourself with the same blind eyes and perhaps you will find something that you never knew about yourself. What are you trying to say? Nothing. <laughs> she sounds like the maid from Family Guy. Uh, I need more lemon pledge. I just like well, the fact she, she she goes off on this diatribe and then he says, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Nothing." Yeah, nothing. <laughs> how old? Nothing. How old do you think she was in this film? Um, I would say she was she, late thirties. Yeah, I think you're probably probably right because she's she could have been. I think when I, my review I wrote on this series, I th- she could be anything between thirty and ninety. I thought it's a bit like she kind of reminded me of you know seen those photos of Jackie Stallone, um, you know she's got yes. um, she's had plastic surgery recently and she was out in a kind of split cut skirt with a leg out and she's in her nineties and she looked a little bit like Stefania Stella. Nobody's Ooh. ever seen them in the same room. True. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, you put a picture up on the history of lives um, or history continues facebook of stefania stella and to me she really reminded me of uh, marge in halloween 3 after she's had her face blasted off with the <laughs> silver shamrock microchip oh dear yes yeah oh boy mm. um uh yes fatal frames i i kind of actually enjoyed it a lot more this time than i did uh last time i think because i knew what i was in for um so i was able to revel in the cheesiness of it but um I mean, Joseph. What the how? I mean, could you watch it again? Oh yes, um, I'll do. I'll do Eric one better. I loved Fatal Frames. I think it's one of the most gloriously bad movies you'll ever watch. I don't care how long it is. I could. I could have watched it twice in a row. I'm serious. Mm. I'm not being ironic. I really did love it that much. I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so self indulgent. It's stylish, but I mean, it's so self indulgent and self important. And, you know, Eric said everyone looks like a member of Color Me Bad. I think everyone looks like Fabio. I yes. Expect, yes. I kept expecting yeah. to say, I can't believe it's not bad, but they didn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, and this is like Stefania Central. I mean, this is a star vehicle for Stefania. Hmm. And, I mean, you will see Stefania 99% of the movie. The, 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 countless pop video interludes of her just kind of writhing around and she has you know she has a really nice body for her you know but she has like a face only her even a mother wouldn't love uh, <laughs> she's pretty, pretty hideous but there's one scene I, I i i laughed until i couldn't control myself there's a like an expository scene where they're kind of a you know, giving a lot of exposition about the plot. And then all of a sudden, while they're still talking, it cuts to a shot of her just sitting there and there, people are photographing her. Mm. And then later on, um, uh, someone calls her and gets her answering machine. He's like, Oh, hi, Stefania. I just wanted to check in on you because, uh, he might as well have said, you're not on screen right now. So we need to let everyone <laughs> know that this is your film. Yeah. I and, love uh, her. I love her answer machine. Cause whenever somebody rings it, she, they get this message. This is this Stefania's answering machine. Answering ha- machine. machine, yes. And there's one thing where they zoom in on Stefania really quick, and she's like, "I can't believe it." I, and, uh, <laughs> I love, I love the scene. That, you know, when they go into the bar, when when he meets um, yeah. Alex, meets um, uh, Linia Quigley, and he's saying to the the other guy, "Oh, you're a shit for putting me through this." And then out of nowhere, Stefania just appears. <laughs> talking to him but every time they do a sh- shot of her they do it f- straight on don't they mm. so yeah it's like it's they, they focus right on her her and her like heaving cleavage 
looking straight at the camera and um yeah and then she goes and she says something she just appears like this kind of supernatural being just ping there she is teleported yeah. in and then she goes well there is Ciao! like that there is she? something she goes, very not of this earth about stefania stella in general i think yeah yes mm-hmm. and what's funny is that um that is her real name her character's name is stefania stella but she actually used her own name her real name mm-hmm. is stefania mm-hmm. stella i mean how how self-indulgent can you be but I mean, aside from her, and you know, you kind of feel bad for Donald Pleasance. I mean, they superimposed yeah. a photo on the screen, and then they did oh, that yeah. that really tasteless Halloween gag just to kind of ride him out. Mm. And, well, wasn't and, even um, using his real voice, was it? He hadn't been looped. No, it wasn't even his real voice. Yeah. Oh, I thought I then, think there was one sequence where it sounded like it was his voice, like one sentence. But yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't his voice for the most part, and it does because you're so familiar, and he has such a recognizable voice. It just looks weird. It sounds weird. Mm. And then they have that Angus Scrim cameo that Eric was talking about, where he's <laughs> really hysterical and his acting is really bad. I mean, wow, he just—he really must have been in it for the paycheck. But to make you even sicker, Stefania does have a sex scene, so get oh, your yeah. um, vo- get your vomit bags ready for that. In blue, um, it's just everything's completely in neon blue, isn't it? But she has sex with a with her underwear on, doesn't she? Did you notice? Yeah, thanks, Collie. She's got like a little, um, got a panties on and she's riding on top, throwing her hair around like this kind of massive kind of sort of black pubic wig flying around her head like a hurricane. And um, she's riding on top of this guy going, oh, and she's got a, she's got a knickers on. So I don't know what's going on there. But, um, but back to um, crotchless, back, obviously it could be. Yeah. Back to the Donald Pleasance cameo. I think I think Eric might get this reference. But the way they wrote him out, it's almost like the the Poochie scene. He's like, I have to go. My planet oh, needs com- completely. Yeah. <laughs> so so that got me to thinking. If they ever make a sequel to Fatal Frames and it's all about Stefania, I said Stefania should in the sequel. Stefania should be loud in your face and have access to a time machine. And whenever <laughs> Stefania's not on screen, characters should be asking, "Where's Stefania?" <laughs> this is all Simpsons references, Justin. In case you I, don't, yeah, no, no. So getting, but the thing, the thing that really blew my mind wasn't what was in this film, but what could have ha- could have been, because um, I'm sure you you both know, but um, Al Fester and Stefania Stella um, pitched an idea um, to make Halloween Seven with oh, Stefania yeah. chasing Michael Myers. I didn't know that. Didn't you know that? No. Yeah, yeah it's pitched... actually one of the background things I've picked up on the film. Yeah, oh, I won't say any more, but it was... Can, can you imagine how mind-blowing it would have been? It, it, you know the scene in Halloween... It was Halloween 7, wasn't it, when Buster Rhymes is in the um, Michael Myers mouth. Well, eight. He, That's he's eight. eight. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And he's kind of... Um, they, they dubbed him for the video release, because in the cinema <laughs> release, he's going... <laughs> and it's kind of, like, really badly muffled in the Michael Myers... Um, mask when he tries to do a kung fu fight with um um the man himself but you can imagine if you'd actually instead of that you'd had um stefani stella bursting in in like really tight jeans and a gun <laughs> doing a pop video interlude to kind yeah. of subdue michael myers <laughs> what you i read my justin, sister <laughs> what i read justin was from um apparently this is from a, a an imdb user named red midnight he says fatal frames was finished in 96 mm. since then the dynamic duo of al and stefania two of the most humorless people known to man have been trying to get various projects off the ground including the porno killer with stefania as a cop who delves into the porn industry to find a killer and thus she becomes a porno star herself and then the halloween seven was stefania pursuing michael myers and il grande lucia the padre pio story 
they were both quite a couple of characters who see all of their work as high art. How do I know all this? I had known them for a few years and visited them, visited them in Rome a few times. After 15 minutes, their loud, eccentric behavior was no longer amusing until their ne- next project. Mm-hmm. Gosh. I yeah, know. So. It's, she's um, also known as um, Stefania Stella. She's also known as the, uh, the Napoleonic Madonna. <laughs> in what way? So, there you go. Blimey! Because you know, she's a female singer. Obviously. I don't know, but did you see see one yeah, of, she, one of she, one of her other roles was because she didn't have very many. Yes, would it but, be Gypsy um, of the Farts? Gypsy, Gypsy of the, the Farts from Psychopathics. Yeah. yeah. Yes, which I haven't found yet, but um, I watched the trailer for Psychopathics. It's actually, and I've I looked into it. It's actually a student film. It, it only runs for forty minutes, and it's an anthology, and it features lots of cameos from recognizable people. But it looks awful from the trailer she didn't really go on to do anything after fatal frame she did one called rosanna's grave where she played a hooker and then she just kind of disappeared mm-hmm. yeah. wow poor stefania yeah. can i ask does anyone know what um what was going on in that scene where the guy who looks exactly like dario argento was cackling insanely whilst <laughs> burning a painting i know <laughs> i thought that was dario argento i did it i, I did it when i first saw it i, just I don't know wow. if it is though no I, no it looks just like him though yeah it was obviously a maybe, nod. Maybe wasn't it was it? him, and he's the only one who had the good sense to take his name off the film. Yeah. Mm. I just wondered if it was a nod to because you had Alida Valley in that scene, didn't you? Well, in, yeah, you know, in that, and um, and there was the kind of the the uh, the mute um, manservant in Suspiria, wasn't there? Who had a similar look, mm. you know, the really toothy one who was kind of like really creepy looking, but. I, I, you know, when you actually get to the end of the film, which I, I mean, are we gonna, are we gonna give the revelation of what the, what all this is about? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Okay, so who wants to do that? You go ahead. Me. Okay. Right. Well, I try and put it. Basically, the um, the the genesis of the story is there's someone called the video killer who videos um, uh, the murders, uh, well, the bodies actually of murder victims and sends them to the police. And there was um, a spate of these in New York um, a few years ago. And Alex, who is a guy who was who was a trauma regular, wasn't he? I think he was. Um, who was it? Uh, Rick Janassi. Um, he plays the, the the video director called Alex Ritt. Um, and his wife was decapitated, um, and he becomes very attached to her stain on the carpet, um, where her blood stains were. were and essentially, he gets invited to Italy to um, to film a video for Stefania Stella. And so when he goes over there and the video murders start again, someone starts um, killing um, women associated with the video shoot and filming filming the, the bodies. But the bodies vanish. The police can't find any bodies, but they get sent the videotape. And um, and the gore effects, by the way, were done by Steve Johnson, who I think um, he was married to Linnea Quigley at the time, because the gore effects are pretty good, actually, in, in this film. Yeah. It's one of the better yeah. things mm-hmm. about the film. And um, so one of the, the quest- one of the puzzling things is where are all the bodies? Um, and what it turns out is is Stefania Stella, um, along with the the father of Alex's dead wife, um, who is a Broadway director. Um, who says to he's has he's the one with um, Stefani has this hilarious conversation which is right at the beginning of the show when he says you're young and you're beautiful and you've got the whole of your life in front of you now how he kept a straight face when he was looking at Stefani and, and when she he said that. and she says <laughs> and she also replies with a straight face didn't you tell me I was a good actress <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes um, but um, <clears throat> but but you have to believe. 
the essentially all the murders are not real um what um this broadway director somehow has got this kind of um according to the film has um uh, knows how to make all these gore effects uh of uh women being attacked with machetes and half decapitated which you see happening but aren't real and essentially it turns out that they're trying to stefania was masterminding this and um she didn't mind having sex with him even though he killed her sister was is this right was that because didn't he say didn't she say that um alex's wife was his sister yeah, she wanted revenge because uh, I don't. I, she, I had don't the gun, know. she had the gun on him at the end, and and the and the uh, the commissioner, I believe it was, or the uh, inspector, one mm. of those. Uh, he's like, uh, I know you want revenge, but don't shoot, don't shoot Alex. Just put the gun down, Stefania. I don't but think was, Alex's wife was her sister, though. I think one of his other victims was her sister. I was going to say because I would have thought mm. Alex would have known if he'd had a sister-in-law like yes. Stefania Stanley would have known, but especially okay, if she well, looked the, like her. Yeah, but all the the women who were killed in the second part of the film, well, they were actually were all related or were lovers or whatever of the women from the um, the, the murders in New York, and so they all appear a little bit like the end of Maniac and come back, and he's kind of driven mad, and it's this whole idea to get him to confess to the murders, and um, there's quite an effective scene right at the beginning um, where uh, a little boy comes in and finds his father watching a Super 8 film on a screen and it's of a woman who's been you know basically um attacked with a machete and cut uh, a little bit like the kind of very disturbing kind of fake snuff scenes in uh, joe d'amato's emmanuel in america it's kind of similar thing and he makes the kids watch that and it turns out that kid is alex um and um stefania's plan comes to fruition but quite why stefania thinking that this man had murdered one of her best friends but she said, because she was best friends, wasn't she, or with with his wife? Because the... Yeah, that's the bit I couldn't understand, yeah. And then the father says, she wanted you to have this, and gave her a book. And then Stefani goes to her maid, burn it. Burn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very convoluted. No it kind of doesn't polluted. make sense. Mm. No. No, so it's, in, it's, like in, it's supposed to be a surprise ending, but at the same time, you're like, what? Yeah. Mm. it's um, a very it's one of those um plots where it's like wouldn't it have been easier to do x y or z i know it's very <laughs> risky, it's kind of elaborate it? just for to achieve you know this this particular goal of getting him to confess yes but uh yeah so i mean it, it is a bonkers film and it, but it, it's i think it must have had a relatively high budget mustn't it relative because it was kind of a lot of the, i mean it makes the cinematography is pretty good, um, mm. and it makes some. I think it's good very use. stylish. I mean, it's like yeah. I said, it's self-indulgent, but it's really, really well mm. shot. I mean, it makes use of some amazing um, locations in Rome. I would say that it makes better use of locations in Rome than Argento did in the um, in the Third Mother. You know, whatever it was, the Mother of Tears. Mother of Tears, yeah. Mother of Tears. Um, <clears throat> the, you know, it, it looks. It, it makes Rome look, you know, fantastic in a kind of. 80s pop video kind of way um and it, it might you know even back in 96 it must have looked pretty dated i would have thought because it looks like it looks more like a companion piece with something like lamberto barva's delirium i would say yeah you know those kind of films which is kind of like take that kind of the the red and blue gel filters that argento and barva were using in the 60s and was, 70s and then really go was that photos the of joya is that the one you're talking about yeah yeah 
yeah, that kind okay. of over the top kind of um sort of 80s kind of feel and sort of um you know lots of dry ice and um you know high hair uh, <laughs> but um but yeah i mean what can you say i mean stefani stella is one of a kind and i wonder if she was how old's this film if this film was made in 96 so 16 years ago so stefania must be in a mid 40s mid to late 50s maybe yeah. yeah so i wonder what she looks like now and are you listening, Stefania? If you are, why not write in and tell us? Mm. Mm. She, she'll probably haunt our dreams now, won't she? <laughs> She's like the Freddy Krueger of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, I would, yeah, funnily enough, I mean, it's a shame, actually, Nathan couldn't make this week because I imagine Nathan would love this movie, wouldn't he? Yeah. If he I didn't, would... he'd be insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, well that is Fatal Frames. I mean if you've got um you guys have got a bit more background on it, haven't you? Do you wanna mm. regale us? Just what some? just what I read. I mean mm. that's all I had was just that whole spiel about Halloween seven and the, mm. the Stefania antics, but that's all I had. I'm sure Eric might have some more than I do. Mm. Yeah, I've got we'll play um, out we'll play out with um Eternal City. By I love Eternal City, yeah. In fact, I think Stefania should have sang Eternal City on a loop to um, to Alex Rich, and that would have gotten to confess. They could have just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be much more simple, like, wouldn't it? She's yeah. like a um, she's like they call her the Napoleonic Madonna, but I'd say she's the Napoleonic share, and that's <laughs> not saying a lot. Yeah. But why Napoleonic? She's not French, is she? I mean, she no, could be any more Italian yeah. if she tried. I don't know. That's what it says on the IMDb. I mean, take it that does, for what it's yeah. worth. I saw Maybe that more as well, like the just... Mussolini Madonna. I wonder if I wonder yeah. if the if Al Festa had a sense of humor because uh, Linnea Quigley's name in the film was Wendy Williams, and she had you know she has the kind of Wendy Williams look. Mm. I don't know Wendy L. Williams. Who's Wendy? From what I can tell, it's Wendy L. Williams from Plasmatics. Yeah, Plasmatics. All right, she's also yeah. I'm talking about the actress, the one who died, who was in um, the, the Women in Prison movie that Nathan picked. Reform School Girls. girls. That was yeah. Wendy O. Williams. Was it Wendy, was it Wendy o. Williams? Yeah, w- Wendy O. Williams. Yeah, Wendy O. Williams, yeah. She, her name is Wendy Williams in Fatal Frames, and she kind of has that look to her. So mm. I wonder if, it, if Al Festa had a sense of humor or if he was a fan of the film. Mm, I don't know. Well, I think from what I could tell and from what that comment was, they, they were famously... Um, uh, sort of humorless and i don't know eric you might have do you yeah have... i've i've an, i'm looking at an interview here that mitch davis did with al festa in 1997 it's in a magazine called diabolic mm. uh, and he's com- comes across as completely humorous because uh mitch davis asks him i've heard that certain audience responses in europe haven't been so good you, you know that they laugh and he's like mm. the reaction of the audiences are different or uh, sorry the reaction of the audiences are always very good even in dif- even different in places and he says, do you think they are maybe laughing to mask their fear? The film is not intended to make you laugh. <laughs> of course not. No, that's clear. So in your opinion, is it funny? Well, I heard the audiences were just, well, laughing a lot. No, the audiences are not laughing at all, actually. There's no comic relief in the movie. Nowhere to be seen. Not at all. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so he was getting kind of aggravated, I think. Mm. Um, apparently it was it premiered in at the Bradford Film Festival in 1996 and people were falling around in the aisles laughing at it. And um, <laughs> Stef- neither Stefania nor Alfesta could understand why. I would um, love to see that on the big screen. 
that would be, be brilliant. Amazing. Even yeah. better with them in attendance, yeah. turning around and yeah. tutting. <laughs> Sort of like. Yeah, but the general the general consensus at the time in all these various magazines I have, like Delirium and Jello Pages, was that people really enjoyed the film, but were you know they did acknowledge the fact that it was shit. Mm. But mm. but everyone was saying you know it's shit, but it's really enjoyable. Go see it. Uh, nobody was slating it, you know, uh, as being worthless. Mm. So okay, well, so it's kind of gained a reputation as um as a kind of. A really, I mean, it's like you say. You get, you know, to be honest, when you talk about bad movies, this is a bad movie, but it's an entertaining one. Um, there's mm. nothing worse than a bad movie that's boring. And even at two hours, um, there's always a bit of Stefani around the corner just to cheer you up, isn't there? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I so. felt that it, it it didn't feel like two hours. I mean, it, I felt like you know I could have watched it again. I would rank it up there with Nailgun Massacre as far as bad movies go. I, I oh, really, I, I, yeah. I, big kick out of this film i like mm. i liked it a lot I for all the put, wrong reasons yeah i'd put it sort of fairly close to bloody moon myself oh, really okay mm. so it's high praise high for... praise indeed i love there's a scene in it where it's the scene where stefania is talking to um the murdered girl's father there's uh, a scene with stefania in the film <laughs> there is she's talking to mr <laughs> mr mr fairbrain which i think is great because it sort of rhymes with hairbrain um yeah. <laughs> she's talking. She's talking to Mr. Fairbrain, and she has some dubbed line, and you can hear somebody coughing in the background, as if some, somebody in the dubbing studio had a cold that day or something, and like they didn't bother to re-record it. It's it's really good. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow, that is quite quite amazing, isn't it? Maybe um, that's why she had a gravelly voice because uh, they had a cold. Mm. I loved. I loved the scene. There's a great scene. Um, you you alluded to it earlier with the how they um, basically they do one of those kind of classic Jalo type things where they f- suddenly find something in in a painting or in in this case in video footage where they see the reflection or the shadow of the killer and that's how they can see the killer's got a ponytail or long hair and that's yeah. the reason mm-hmm. you've got all the Fabio clones. But yeah. then of course. <laughs> It could also be Stefania. I like how they, can, like how they have this like technology that manipulates the shadow into revealing the ponytail. Well, exactly. Well, that's the <laughs> Alex, that who's, a, who's a killer anyway. Um, he kind of so he he's obviously he doesn't realise he's a killer presumably, but he kind of takes a snapshot of the um, of Stefania's video with her a silhouette of her hair and one of the killer silhouette of the hair and then morphs them together in that kind of um you know that sort of effect you know that exactly from that time where you used to have faces morphing one person's face morphing to another which al fester does for every victim at the end of the film so he was obviously in love with that but it doesn't it doesn't prove anything does it it doesn't you know it's just like a, a shadow a ponytail going into a shadow with long hair it doesn't prove who the killer is at all and the irony <laughs> is the person doing it is the killer but uh there you go yes um, well, that is Fatal Frames. Oh, what a movie. What, what a, movie. a movie. Is there anything... I was just trying to think if there's... Oh. Uh, just trying to think if there's... Oh, this. What bit was this from? And I want to keep it up for at least 12 hours. Non-stop, if that's what it takes. That's towards the end of the film. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> we used we, that in an earlier show, didn't we? Exactly. That's where I found it from. I, yeah. couldn't, I was trying yeah. to remember where I it was. I used it in the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, actually, in recently seen, I, when I saw Fatal Frames for the first time, I got you to play that clip. Okay. <laughs> it, yeah. it stands out. And it's a great chat-up line. It, it is, indeed. <laughs> no, we actually used it in, in an intro at one point, I believe. We may we? have done. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty certain we did. Mm. It was okay. for one of your picks, Eric, so I don't really remember which one. But for some reason, that, that dialogue just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
Still. We've done. We haven't done facial frames before, have we? God, can you imagine no, we get to the no, point? I think we, we would remember. Yes. No, I definitely remember that. We should well, do it again because it's that good. Exactly. Well, what yeah. kind well, of double I'll, bill? Sorry. What kind of double bill could you have? Uh, part of fatal frames and less Les, Les insatiable's poopies erotic. Is you know <laughs> where else could you hear double bills like that? Then the, the hysteria continues. So, by the way, um, if poopies are spelled with two e's, then it means dolls. Okay, it is. Is it? It is. Yeah, it's Sex dolls. dolls so. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's the it's the insatiable um, erotic dolls is basically mm. what that translates as. Mm-hmm. So that's not what we translated it to, though. No, no, we didn't. We I love. Or... There's just one last bit of dialogue I loved in the film is where Mr. Fairbrain, who's the Broadway director, says mm. to Stefania, "You'll be the leading lady in the funniest comedy," and I'm thinking to myself. She already is. <laughs> she already is, yes. Yeah. I oh, remember yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's saying, I don't want to play a tragedy. There's enough tragedy. Yes. <laughs> um, we've cried the last tear. Yeah. You know, I want to... You know, yeah. mm. Um, I still love, I still love, like, every five minutes, there's, like, this pop scene, and then I'm like, oh, look, there's another music video with Stefania. This time <laughs> she's in a fountain. Next time mm. she'll be in a, in a warehouse, and then on a bed, and then, oh, she's back to the fountain again. Well, Fabio I thought, I mean, is lifting her off the ground. How how kind of um, self obsessed would you have to be to take someone home and have sex with them while your own pop video is playing in the background? <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she does, isn't she? She takes Alex back and they have sex. They have like um, rock, you know, pop pop music video sex with all like in the blue light filters. But in the background, there's the Stella Stefani Stella logo and her pop video playing on on the monitors. So which, she would which have had to say, Alibi or was it Eternal City? I can't remember. But she would have she would have had to say, "Hold on a second, I'm just going to pop pop over and put my video on as a you know a breast burst asunder." It's an aphrodisiac. Um, that that song yeah. is an aphrodisiac. It is. It turns me on. <laughs> oh yeah. There's two more things I want to mention. They they might as well mm. call the film Stefania. I mean, Fatal Frames. It doesn't really make sense when the whole film's about Stefania. Mm. But um, another thing I wanted to mention, I almost forgot about, is that is the the DVD cover it has the picture of that fake killer oh, doll model. or whatever it yeah. is, that statue, mm. when he attacks it at the end, and it's really fake. Why did they put that on the cover? It's not creepy at all. I know, and it looks like a, do- a doll, and it was a doll, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like a mannequin it a, or something. It was like a poopé. Poopé. <laughs> Gosh, clever well, for bringing that back, Eric. I know. Poor Stefania. I mean, she'd. Um, I mean, you know, like you say, she's a she's one of a kind, one of a kind, and those kind of um, sort of baboon butt lips of hers. Kind of... <laughs> I think you were onto something. I think she is uh, Jackie Stallone because Stella Stallone, Stallone, Stallone. Uh, wow. Well, oh, and like I said, no one's ever seen them in the same room together. Yeah. No. So there you go. It's like Who Clark knew? Kent and Superman. She's like you know. Jackie Stallone is the Clark Kent and Stefania Stella is the Superman. No, well, nobody's ever he... seen Justin or Jensen Ackles in the same room. No. no. Which is yeah. coincidence. disappointing. Or Eric um, and the uh, guy from Rush Week. The, the big guy. Photographer. Oh. Oh. oh yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to say about Fatal Frames before we... I love Fatal Frames. That's all I'm I wish there was. I wish there was a soundtrack album. Yes. I wish there were like 20 sequels. Instead of releasing Paranormal Activity sequels, they should do Fatal Frame sequels every year. Mm, yeah. Well, maybe you should try and track down Alfesta and Stefania and see, <laughs> make it happen. Can you imagine yeah. Stefania Stella in Paranormal Activity 5? 
<laughs> she would be the paranormal activity. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being dragged around a house by her? <gasps> oh, I don't even think about it. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 well, okay, well. Okay, there's probably more that we could say about that. I just, one thing, we didn't talk much about David Warbeck, um, but I thought he was actually quite good in this. He was probably one of the better. Um, I mean, he, he was really chewing the scenery. But there was, there was some scenes, wasn't there? Really bad, really recorded, even worse yeah. recorded mm. than this, sh- this show. And it was kind of... Um, <laughs> It was kind of like, it was kind of really tinny, wasn't it? It was kind of sort of yeah. like this kind of really weird tinny mm. voice. And you're thinking they, if they loop the film, uh, why on earth did they allow that through? But anyway. I read is... somewhere that um, when Donald Pleasance died in mid-shoot, they introduced the David Warbeck character then. He wasn't in the original script. But I don't know if that's true, mm. because I think there are scenes where David Warbeck and Donald Pleasance are on screen together. I'm not going 100% sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure there are actually. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Right. Well, there you go. That is Fatal Frames. So, um, you live are going to be rushing out to try and find it, or rushing away from any copy um, that you come across. So, so, but uh, write in and let us know. Um, and on that bombshell, what we'll do is play contact details for the show. So, write in. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And here's how you can. Hey guys, Susie versus Toya forever. Be sure to check out v-bodycount-continues.com forward slash index forward slash view page dot php question mark page underscore id equals 126. That contains all contact information pertinent to the hysteria continues. And thank you for listening. Oh, and personally, I don't have much of a horse in the Susie versus Toy race, but I have to let Justin and Eric think I do from one day to the next. That way they'll argue about it over and over. But this will be our little secret. Don't tell anyone lest I stab you to death with a glass unicorn. Have a nice day. <laughs> Who the hell was that? No, what, was the, what was that address every, again? You know, <laughs> yeah, actually, Joseph, I thought was that was better than, you know, going through every single contact detail. So I just put it all on one page. And even the page, t- even the page URL is really long, so I couldn't win either way. <laughs> so, I don't, but I'll was, cut out the you, was, was that your brother? That. Was that you? Do what? Who who was that? That didn't sound like you. That was me. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Oh, it didn't sound like you. No, it sounded like it had been put through a filter. Mm. No, mm. I'm in a different room than I usually record in, so maybe it was a little different. I don't know. Okay, right. Well, okay. But, well, if you can, if you um. Yes, well, right into the show. Um, if you go to the just, extra long URL and you can figure out how to contact us, and I'll take out the t- the, the Toya joke because I just you know I know you don't want to listen to that every single episode. I can't believe you brought up because like Eric put a picture of Susie and Stefania Stella on, said who's who, which I thought was very well. Very there were, rude. They were both. Well, I sort thought of... that was good. I thought that was good payback to the the, the picture you had on the the review of Anthropophagus, where he's listening to his headphones. He said, "Who popped in the Toya?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that hasn't gone live yet, but that will do soon. I'm kind of I'm working up to that. So uh, yes, yes, the Oops, eternal sorry. struggles. Yeah. And we'll come on to the Eternal City a little bit later. But um, feedback time. Um, have we got some feedback, guys? Have you got anything? Uh, I got no. one. How about you guys? You guys got anything? I've got one. Okay. No. You, go, you want to go ahead and go first if you can. Me? Okay. Let yeah. me, uh... Okay. Well, this is from um, Terry in Belgium. Um, and he says, Hello, Justin, Eric, Joseph, and Nathan. This time my email will be shorter. 
Your non-horror movie top three was unexpected. I know you guys um, like me. Uh, hold on, sorry. I know you guys are like me. You like unknown or barely known slasher movies like The Prey, Humongous, or Movie House Massacre. However, regarding the non-horror movie, I didn't know what to expect you to quote movies like Jaws, which is my favourite movie of all time, and I do not consider it a horror movie, more of an adventure flick. Taxi Driver, Dirty Harry, the first one uh, with Robinson playing the psychotic killer. The Good, the Bad and Ugly, God I love that, um, for the dialogue, the music from Morricone, uh, the cast, the directing from Leone, for everything. Goldfinger, Sean Connery is the best one to me, and maybe along with Daniel Craig. My choices do not show my age, because I turned 36 the 31st of August, so happy birthday Terry. I expect Eric to quote Dirty Dancing, because I can be wrong, I think he's a fan. No, you are a fan, aren't you Eric? Oh, very much, yes. yes. Um, Otherwise, really? about Cutting Class, I thought you had an audio interview, but I think you said that during the podcast for Cutting Class, but, again, but then again, I might be wrong. I think we, we did we were have one We were trying and it fell through. Yeah, it fell through, so unfortunately. Yeah. Um, a German podcast listener, I forget his name, sorry, gave you some good German slasher movies and you saw The Pool, or was it Eric? Um, no, we did see The Pool, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, cannot recall, sorry, and yes, it is entertaining, but from the list he gave... Um, you, I think, Anatomy is the best by far in terms of directing, cinematography, acting, art production, various murders. Uh, the screenplay is interesting, much more interesting than the one from The Pool, which is very generic. Um, now he says, now I know, um, now that said, I know Nathan is not a fan of science fiction. However, I strongly recommend him to watch the outstanding TV series Battlestar Galactica, not the original from the 80s. Um, the very, very good TV series, one of my favourite TV series, along with The Shield, Magnum, Miami Vice, Law and Order, and Homicide Life on the Streets. Uh, Yay, The Shield! Yes. And Battlestar Galactica is a sombre, dark, pessimistic, with no humour, um, of an adult tone, um, and very uh, CGI effects very well done, and the soundtrack from Beer McCreary is amazing, very touching and emotional. Um, I've, I've heard very good things about Battlestar Galactica, the um the tv series i've never i haven't seen it a review of you uh, no but, no, but, people, but i've yeah, heard people have recommended maybe. us yeah mm, mm. yeah it's supposed to be um, you know it's, it's like a soap opera in space or something yeah yeah okay um terry just goes on to finish off says sorry to write about a tv series um but hey you spoke about dallas so why not writing about a tv series um talking of dallas have you been watching the new dallas no no no, I can't, I can't bring myself to watch it. So um, uh, he says, I do not like the sci-fi productions, the network, I mean, they're crappy productions, except for the this series and maybe being human and grim. Um, I've nothing to say about Movie House Massacre because I've not seen it yet. Um, but he does go on to say, I hope you're reviewing Next to Kin, a.k.a. Return to Montclair. It deserves a long-depth review and not just it's a good movie. Um I would agree. I'd love to do um, a show on uh, Next to Kin because I think it's probably the best um, Australian slasher movie by far. Um, so I, I agree with Terry on that. But um, yes, um, there's so much out there, isn't there? Maybe we could do a double mm. bill of Australian slasher movies at some point. The day after Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wanted to do that one, didn't you? Hmm? Uh, I think Nathan actually really did want to do that one. Yeah, gosh. Okay. I think it's probably I've got because it'd be good to do something like um, uh, you know a really good one like uh, about next to kin and then something like Lady Stay Dead or something like that or even fun. maybe Shallow Grave or something. Shallow Grave was it Australian? No, it's British. No, no it? you thinking the the American slasher, the one with the the, Rocky, three, yeah, the American, girls. Never mind. Yeah, 
All right, it's yeah. not the Ewan McGregor movie, no? No, there's, no, there's no. an American movie came out around about the same time, 87. Um, yeah, that's Shallow what Grave, And it's kind of like three teenage girls or early 20-something girls being chased by We could do Houseboat Horror. Yeah, I was thinking about Houseboat Horror, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. Well, that would be horror, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Why not? Um, okay, well, thank you, Terry, and thanks for writing. It's always good to hear from you. Um, any th- comments on what Terry said? Yeah, I'll, actually, I want to go back to the whole uh, day after Halloween mm. and Nathan suggesting that. I think it's kind of ironic that, you know, he makes us sit through Crazy Fat Ethel 2 and Splatter University, but then when we get Fatal Frames, he's conveniently missing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And he would love he would love Fatal Frames. I'm sure he would, um, he would be all over that film like a rash. Yeah. So, But, um, well, thank you, Terry. Um, what feedback have you got? Uh, sorry, you haven't got any, Eric, have you? Joseph? Yeah. Yeah, this is from um, Soren uh, Thompson. He's from Denmark. He says, Hello, guys. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your terrific podcast, which I enjoy tremendously, though I have not yet had the chance to listen to all of the episodes. I also want to congratulate Justin on Teenage Wasteland, which I just finished reading. I was particularly pleased with the references to Scandinavian slasher films, though I can see that Justin has yet to discover the wonderful world of the Danish slasher movie. To be fair, Danish filmmakers have rarely ventured into slasher territory, though the mid-90s did produce three quite successful slasher films, perhaps most well-known abroad. Uh, old born adults, not to Vagrin. I'm not Danish, so pardon the pronunciation. From 1994, features a killer who likes to scalp his vic- his female victims. It was remade by <clears throat> Bordenau in 1997 as the decidedly inferior Night Watch. Oh, okay, so it's Night Watch, the original. Okay, yeah. starring e- Ewan McGregor and Nick Nolte. Secondly, mm. director Martin Schmidt made Sid's Time, uh, aka Final Hour, and More Colleague, which can be loosely translated as Hide and Seek, in 1995 and 1996, respectively. The setup of both films is quite classic. While the former finds a group of high school students trapped inside their school during the weekend being bumped off one by one by an unknown killer, the latter features four college students playing assassin in an old abandoned mansion. But of course, all is not what it appears, and soon people start dying for real. Both films follow the slasher formula rather closely, including the obligatory final girl and a killer seeking revenge for the past sins of his victims. Uh, though Final Hour adds a supernatural twist to the gruesome proceedings. If you guys haven't seen these films, I encourage you to track them down. I would love to hear what you think of them. And uh, I, I guess I'll add those to the list. From mm. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, well, I guess I'm going to have to go through Baby Jesus because I doubt they're out on DVD. Mm. I think the only one I've seen of that's I've seen the original Night Watch. Yeah, um, I've seen that a long time ago. <coughs> yeah, and I think I've, I think I've, I, can't, I think I've seen the remake. I can't remember, but I remember the original Night Watch was really good. Yeah, I definitely um, I saw the remake. I didn't care much for it. No, no. But he well, says no, um, another thing. One of my absolute hmm. favorite proto-slashers is The Spiral Staircase, which I've always thought must have been an inspiration for Black Christmas. Hmm. Both films share important elements, including the setting in a large empty house, the drunken maid or house mother in the case of Black Christmas, and the creepy close-ups of the killer's eyes. I don't recall the film being mentioned in the Black Christmas podcast, so I was wondering what you guys think. Uh, oh, and by the way, have you guys seen the brilliant episode of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour titled An Unlocked Window, 
which also shares certain features with the spiral staircase and has what must be one of the most surprising endings in television history. It was scored by Bernard Harriman, uh, for your information. Definitely also worth tracking down if you haven't seen it. Anyway, once again, thank you for all your brilliant work with the podcast. I'm really looking forward to the upcoming Halloween episode, which I guess we will mention that in a minute. A minute. Yeah. Uh, all the best, Soren from Denmark. Well, thank you, Soren. That's that's um, that's uh, very good. Thank you for writing in. And um, I've um, Spiral Staircase. I think is is great film. Is it Richard, <laughs> Robert Sidmark? Um, and it's kind of it's the film, isn't it, where the the killers killing anyone with a disability or a, dis, a slight disfiguration or something. And um, it's definitely got some and definitely protest slasher leanings. I've it did get remade, didn't it, in the seventies with Jacqueline Bissett, I think. But I've not seen I've not seen the remake. I don't think. Um, I haven't seen either, but um, either I'm actually I, interested yeah. in that. I'm interested in the two films that he talked about, yeah. and I, I, I want to see the Alfred Hitchcock uh, hour mm. titled An Unlocked Window. That sounds kind of interesting. That sounds great. Yeah, no, definitely. So well, that's no, it's a always lot good to look for, I guess. Mm. Well, it's always good to hear from people who've got recommendations. So, no, thanks for uh, writing in, Soren and Terry. So, um, you know, please do, you know, you've got plenty of time. We're, we're going to be as the cat is out of the bag or out of the dirt tray however we want to put it is um mm. is next time we are going to do our halloween special um and we're going to do because essentially halloween one and two are you know that you could be seen as one long movie you could have a three hour long movie because it's certainly it's uh, halloween two is more of the night he came home we thought well why not do an extra you know, special episode with Halloween one and two, and especially in light of um, of the the recent um, release of Halloween two on Blu-ray um, by Shriek Show. Scream no, Factory. we are covering the Rob Zombie version. Oh, sorry, well. sorry, Scream Factory. Um, are we cover- are we covering the Rob Zombie version? Yeah, that's the ones we're talking about. No, yeah, I am not watching. No, I'm just kidding. We'll end up bashing them at some point, though. Yeah, I'm sure we all do. But we're going to do a special Halloween episode uh for next time so um and we jamie lee curtis will be joining us live mm-hmm. um, for a chat um, on the set of her newest activia commercial <laughs> um, it'll be lovely if she would but um you know i very much doubt we'll we'll get her but well, um, i gotta go pick her up from the from the glue factory but she should be <gasps> you stop that now joseph please <laughs> um so yes well join us again for halloween um is there anything we want to say guys before you wrap it up i want to say that i am going to be be, um before i speak to you next i'm going to be seeing the documentary that you have a credit on justin slice and dice it's playing at dublin's horathon on friday the october the 26th now unfortunately it not only clashes with a double bill screening of zombie flesh eaters (laughs) and deep red on the big screen it also clashes with a screening of suspiria so the sacrifices I'm making to see your documentary. Well, I hope you enjoy it. And it's, do you um, know when that's going to be released in the states? I uh, don't. It's, it's just it's coming just out in prim- March on DVD in the UK. Mm. And what's it called again? Slice, Slice and, dice, and dice, the slasher film forever. Yeah, that's it. and in in the horrorathon program here, it doesn't have a picture of Justin. It has a picture of Corey Feldman. Does it? But well, yeah. that's not right, is it? Um, <laughs> with, his, with his little rat's tail haircut. They're really sticking it to you, Justin. <laughs> How dare they put Corey Feldman above you? You're the producer on the film. They should matron take them away. <laughs> they stuck it to him good. Yes. So, but yes, well, um, the it's just the film or the documentary is just premiered at Stiges. I can never Stitches. say Stitches. 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 Um, you always get that wrong. Not, know, si- not Stitches. Stitches without the first T. Stitches. Stitches. Well, why is it? it. Why has it got a G in it? 
Sit those crazy jets. Spanish. Sit Sitches. Sitches. Sit in a bowl of jets. So anyway, it's it's premiered there and apparently did very very well. So um, um, and Callum, who who's um, the main guy behind it, he said he saw the Maniac remake with um, Elijah Wood, um, and he said it was very very grim. Very he said it was odious. So mm, it, it, that's what that. I heard from the. It was on a fright fest, and some people said it was actually surprisingly grim yeah. for a Hollywood mm. remake. Yeah. I was thinking it'd be good. To make, make a good double bill with the Hobbit. Um, they, release that next year. they should have had uh, Stefania Stella as the, as the titular maniac well they might because Stefania Stella is Gollum mm. yeah Ooh. Mm. she kind of looks like Joe Spinell after he's been <laughs> for like 20 years <laughs> oh poor Stania um, yeah. she obviously she wanted to make it big and she did yeah. in, in her she own did head. On our she, show. Did, she did in the booby department but she did in the booby she department, made it big the on our department. show we'll always remember her <laughs> She's the Susie of the podcast. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I think you're more on right with Cher. She's kind of like a cross between Cher, Jackie Stallone, and Latoya Jackson, and the Cheeky Girls, yeah. and the Cheeky Girls. Yes, and mm. um, you know what a bundle of fun. Um, yeah. But that was Fatal Frames and Slaughter Hotel, and we're going to play out with uh, Stefania Stella singing Eternal City from, Yay, the, what uh, from the hit film Fatal yeah. Frames. And so thank Nathan you very will much be back us. next next time. So if, if, if you're wondering where Nathan's at, he will be back. Yeah. This he one's for you, back. Nathan, with this your one's... golden burning angels. La 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 la. Oh my God, that's, that's a little extra from Eternal City. It is. Wow, and that if you're was as good as Stefania's version. Yeah. I know. If you're still that's listening. Quite oh, scary. Before you free play oh, yeah. play out, you notice that the entire soundtrack was accredited to Stefania Stella and Fatal Frames. Mm, so, and written by Al Festa, the director. Yeah, mm, big surprise there. <laughs> oh well, there you go. It's going to be back to back to relative normal of Halloween next time. But thank you for joining us for the, the Jalo Madness. I'll sing. Bill. I'll sing Mr. Sandman next week at the end of the yes, podcast. Yes, that'd be that'd be good. Excellent. All right. Well, take care and thanks for listening. And see you next time. Bye. Bye. In your world the
So how are your nipples, Eric? They are very good. My name is Stefania Stella. <laughs>